What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Neanderthal Society Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking to Eddie Medina from Powerhouse. For those of you who don't know, Powerhouse are Bay Area hardcore legends, plain and simple. If you grew up in the Bay Area like I did, you grew up going to Powerhouse shows. That's it. Point blank, period. You know Powerhouse is the shit. Is was, forever will be. That's it. Um, Eddie, <laughs> Eddie was awesome enough to uh, come on and set aside some real time to uh, just chop it up and break down some real barrier hardcore history. If you know Eddie, you know he's a funny motherfucker. <laughs> really good dude, cool dude, and um. It was great. It was awesome to just be able to talk to a to a dude from a band that I grew up loving and I've been seeing and listening to since I was 15 years old, almost 25 years. And yeah, just again, just absolute Bay Area hardcore legends. So Eddie opened up about all kinds of rad shit. We talked about uh, the history of the band, immigrating from Mexico to Oakland, um, the crew smashing Nazis in, in LA with Madball, touring Europe with Agnostic Front, um, playing the Agnostic Front reunion show. So much cool shit. Um, yeah. So I just want to say thanks to Eddie for coming on, setting aside that time, and Thanks to all of you for listening. I want to say thanks to everybody for following the Instagram page at Neanderthal Society. Be sure to stay tuned for the website that's coming soon. And the Depop, that's up. Clothes are going to be in there any day now. So stay on the lookout for that. The Patreon is still on the way. That's not up just, just yet. But we're going to be having a lot of cool shit over there. Uh, record reviews, new stuff, old stuff bonus interviews, all kinds of extra content, funny stories, sketchy stories, be talking about records that I love, show announcements, um, all kinds of cool shit. So if you like what we're doing, you want to support, go check that out. Uh, we're going to be also setting up, um, if you subscribe to the Patreon, you're going to be entered in a raffle every month to win Neanderthal stuff. So if you want to support what we're doing, if you like what we're doing, please go check that out. That will be coming any day now. So, speaking of upcoming stuff, we've also got the Powerhouse reunion shows. I don't want to really call them reunion shows because Powerhouse is back. They're just back. Uh, natural order has been restored and <laughs> um, it's just what it is and what it should be, so... These shows are both already sold out. It's going to be November 6th and 7th at the Parkside in San Francisco. It's a Saturday, Sunday. On the Saturday, we've got Powerhouse with Tsunami and Scowl. And on the Sunday, we've got Powerhouse with Gulch and Count Time from LA. So, if you're fortunate enough to have tickets for that, I will be seeing you at both of those shows. And if you don't, uh, keep your fingers crossed that they release some more. Stay tuned for, I don't know, Craigslist, StubHub, whatever the fuck. However people are buying uh, leftover tickets now, I don't even know. 
But these are going to be bangers, and you don't want to miss them. So definitely do whatever you got to do to get to those shows. So again, I want to say thanks to Eddie. I want to say thanks to all the followers and all the listeners. I want to dedicate this episode um, in loving memory of Rennie Cortez. His impact on the Bay Area scene cannot be emphasized enough. So this is for him. Uh, This episode is for him. This episode is for Oakland. And this episode is for Barry Hardcore. So I want to say thank you to everybody for listening and enjoy the episode. Here's Eddie Medina. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Neanderthal Society podcast. Today, we're talking to Eddie Medina. What's up, Eddie? Hey, what's going down? How we doing, man? Uh, I'm pumped for this, bro. I'm listening. I've I've heard every podcast, and I'm just like, sick. It's like reminiscent, you know? Thank you, dude. I appreciate it so much. I'm really hyped that you came on. I mean, I was just saying I grew up on your shit, so... It's dope to be talking. So thank you for setting aside the time. Uh, thank you, man. Thank you for uh, asking and wanting to do this because, you know, it it, it 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 expands the horizons, bro. It's an honor and a privilege, man. Um, yeah. You want to you wanna just jump in or how are we doing? You want to yeah. catch people up on what's going on or what's new with the no, band or you want to take it back? Let's jump in. We're, we're, you want to take it way back? We'll build up on it. Yeah, we'll build up on it. Whatever. All right, let's do it. All right, so uh, born and raised in Oakland, correct? No, no, I was actually born in Mexico in '69. Uh, I came to uh, United States in '77, over to LA. <clears throat> My parents were like, you know, hey, we, we we could bring you and have a better life, and not just me, but like my brothers and my sisters. I'm the youngest of ten. Uh, the youngest uh, of the crew, like the, you know, my sisters and my brothers, um, they were the ones that like were brought up and the older ones stayed back in Mexico. So, uh, my parents were like, we get you a better life. You should just, we'll bring you here. You're the only one that came. It was me and my, uh, two younger sisters. Okay. Uh, that came. So 12, uh, 12 of you total? No, 10, 10. Oh, 10 total. Okay. Yeah, I have five brothers, five sisters. I was the youngest of the 10. Wow. <clears throat> but we came from, you know, uh, Mexico to LA. We were, it was like a, like a stepping stone. LA was a stepping stone. So we, we hung out there for a little bit with, with friends and family. And then over to Fresno for another stepping stone. And then finally, the, my brother, my brother lived in Oakland for, you know, a long time, probably since like 76 or something. <clears throat> and he's like, yo, come out, come out here. You'll like it out here. It's like, it's, it's Oakland. It's the Bay Area. It was different back then, but, um, you know, my, my parents were like, okay, we'll just come up there. So we came up here and I, I that was 1980. I came up here in 1980. And, <clears throat> um, we, we just chilled. Um, my parents were uh, happy to be here. It was like quiet, quieter, warmer, not warmer than LA, but so we just came up and, you know, I, I was, I was 
10 or 11 and I, uh, immediately I had my low rider bike, like a scraper. It was scraping them. I would barely tilt the fucking tilt to the side and it would scrape the, the pedals and sparks and all that. So I was like, Hey, I'm going to use this bike and I'm going to explore. Like I'm an explorer. This is my new town now. Like I went all around Lake Merritt. I actually bike rode from Lake Merritt up to San Leandro all the way down to East 14th. Yeah, I was 11, bro. Like I could just not exploring see my kids. the new, the new yeah, uh, stomping ground. Yeah, I could not see my kids doing that right now. Like, no way, you're not going that way, you know? But I was like, oh, hell out. no. <laughs> I was like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm going to explore. I want to see this fucking town. Like you said, it was just a different time, though. It was a different time. I mean, you know, there's no cameras, there's no phones. Uh, it probably was probably more dangerous to be honest, but you know, I was like, whatever, I'm, I'm cruising, man. I, I went all the way from Lake Merritt all the way to San Leandro, um, and back like bike road all the way back. I made a couple of stops in the, along the way, like on 23rd on the way back. And there was like a McDonald's or Jack in a box, uh, Kentucky fried chicken, whatever. Uh, there was a fast food restaurant in every corner. So I went in there and I drank a bunch of water. I was like, I'm so thirsty. I need water. I'd go in there and just like ask for a cup of water. <laughs> and then when I got home, I, you know, I got back home like 10 minutes later. I was like, oh, God, I feel sick. You know, so much fucking water. I just started throwing up water. But, <laughs> but it was like milky and shit. That's crazy. So I remember, I remember that. I was like, you know, I was a kid. And, you gave yourself like water I, toxicity or something. Yeah, I think that's what yeah, it's called. I don't know. I, it was a you OD'd on water. That's like what they do with like uh, those dudes in fraternities when, and shit. Yeah, when they haze people. Yeah. Right? Fucking, <laughs> yeah you just did it voluntarily them. though. That's crazy. Yeah, I was like, I was super thirsty. I was like, I'm gonna go to this place and get some free water. This place and get free water. Yeah, and then I remember just t- I was taking a bath and I was like, whoa, I don't feel right, and I fucking barfed a bunch of water. Not really. it, was, it was nasty, bro. Well, at least you're but, you already know, in the was, bath. Yeah, but I was 11 and I was, you know, exploring, bro. And I was, I, ha- I had to, you know, I just moved to Oakland. And I, I was like, I need to know where the fuck everything is. Like, I got to figure it out for myself. Like, my parents were like, "Oh, let's go check this out." They were just like, "Yeah, we're we're here. We're gonna feed you. We're gonna make sure you got clothes. Make sure you go to school." Kind of more like latchkey kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I had, a, I had my own key. Like, they were always gone for work, and I'd come back and open the door. And I'd have to make myself food and shit. Like, you know, top ramen. Top ramen was like the bomb. It was top ramen and spam, bro. Yeah. I just grill, you know, I just grill spam and slap it on top of the top ramen. <clears throat> or there was always leftover food, you know, beans, rice, all that stuff, man. Yeah, were you uh were you getting into sports or anything at this point? No, no, I wasn't into sports at the time. I was I was more into uh um I'd watch a lot of kung fu like Bruce Lee movies and shit. I, I, but at that time I was living in uh uh like Chinatown close to Lake Merritt uh-huh. right by uh Laney. <clears throat> and so I went to a Lincoln Lincoln school which is Lincoln Elementary was like mostly all Asians, and, and I was like, oh, I started watching all these Bruce Lee movies. And I buy my little little kung fu shoes and shit like that, you know. 
and uh, and I would just be like, well, I know Kung Fu, bro. And like, I'd watch a Kung Fu, you know, Bruce Lee movie and I'd fucking be like, that's what Kung Fu. That's sick. <laughs> that's crazy, bro. I was like 10 or 11 or something or whatever. Were you get, um, were you getting into music or anything else, or are you just like no, nah, not at not at the time. I mean, I mean, I think I was twelve, like when my brothers were like, "Hey, there's a lowrider car show at the at the Oakland Auditorium," which turned into Henry J. Henry J. Kaiser. And that's back to Oakland Auditorium, and like there was a lowrider car show, and then my brothers were like, "Hey, you want to go? Yeah, just come with us." I had no, you know, I was like, "Whatever, I'll go." And it was like a lower car show all in the in the auditorium and, and they had live bands, but they the live band was like uh cool in the gang and like Michael Henderson or whatever. Okay. Yeah. But I remember like seeing Cool in the Gang. I was like, Oh shit, this is cool in the gang. So how old were you? You were you said you're like twelve? Yeah, like twelve years old, bro. Okay. And and, and uh And uh, that's the type of know, shit that I, your I brothers were listening to? Yeah, I was I was into music before. Like you know, my parents would always you know have their their type of music. Like it was like, um, uh, I don't know what you call it, but like mariachi or like more uh, traditional. Yeah, more traditional Mexican stuff. And like when I was a kid, I remember you know like they would play these records, and and I was like, ooh, that's a catchy song. Like I would love that song. And I only recognized the song by the actual label, the center of the label. You know. And I'd be like, oh, okay, this is the record my mom plays. Like, I want, I want to hear it. Like, and I would only just recognize the label. Like, uh, I was too young to, to read or yeah, <clears throat> like that. But I would recognize the center of the label of the record, and I was like, this is what I want to hear because you know my my parents played it all the time. Uh-huh. And it was some catchy, whatever gelled in. My and those brain. are just like little forty fives or whatever. Yeah, it was forty fives, full you know, and I was like, this is it. This is what I want to hear. That's sick. And uh, so I was, I was into that, and then, and then, you know, my my older brothers were like, uh, they were into different stuff. They were into, you know, Beatles, Grand Funk Railroad, uh, Led Zeppelin, and stuff like that. So they would leave their records behind, and, and they're like, here, you know, just play whatever you want, and they would bounce. And I'm like, okay, I'll play this. And I remember like seeing uh, the Grand Funk Railroad, so the label of that. And I was like, oh, Grand Funk Railroad, that's some sick shit. It's like, uh, it was like soul, but like rock and roll too, you know? Which yeah. is what I, that's what I remember as a kid. Like, this is what got me into music. Like, my parents had their own stuff, and I would love that. And then my brothers were like a totally different thing. They're older, they were like five, seven years older than me. So, so that Much shit to you is like that was like the cool shit, right? Yeah, I was just like, "Whoa, this is this is you know, different." It's like English and shit. Were any <laughs> of them like playing instruments or anything like that? Or? No, no, none of them played instruments. They just nobody you know, in the house had an instrument. No, none. No, so I, my you mom were was the first the one. one. My mom was the only one that played like an instrument, which was the harmonica. She would always like play harmonica and. She would play along to songs and stuff like that. She would always play you know, birthday songs for whoever had a birthday at the time and would throw the harmonica. And that's the only thing I remember, like even to now, you know, to then. <clears throat> but no, nothing else. Nobody played the drums or guitar or anything like that. So when, at what age did you decide that you wanted to try to play guitar? 
was probably like 83. I moved to Oakland in 1980. I, I went to Westlake Middle Middle or Junior High uh, in West Oakland. And then uh, I transferred over to uh, King Estates um, over in the east, East Oakland. And then from there, uh, my brother moved, and I was like, wherever he, wherever my brother moved, I would go like with him because he's like, oh, we're gonna move over here, and then you you go to a better school. We want you to stay out of trouble, whatever. So he moved to San Leandro, and he's like, you can use our address, go to San Leandro, and uh, you can go to Bancroft, like Bancroft Junior High. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. So I lived in in East Oakland, and I would catch the bus to San Leandro. For for middle school or junior high, and at that time, you know, I was into hip hop and you know, Run DMC, Man Parish, like tort uh, craft work and stuff like they would do the hip hop stuff, and uh, uh, we we decided like me and my friends were we all decided to do the uh, we decided to do the uh, uh, talent show. And we were doing hip hop and spinning and you know, break dancing and stuff like that, and break dancing and stuff like that. And uh, did you guys have a crew? Yeah, we had a crew. We what was the I, name? I, was there a name? I don't. Or? Even, I don't. Even, I don't know. It was so long ago. I'm not putting you on blast. <laughs> no, but 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 you know we 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 were like oh we all got in cahoots and uh, we decided to uh, do do the show for the talent show and. Uh, so that Big would have been like seventh, eighth grade, or something like that. Yeah, yes, eighth grade, exactly. And um, and uh, my friend Eric Madsen, who who was the reason I got into it, was like my friends. You know, they they got up and did a bunch of Van Halen covers, and and uh, you know, the girls were loving it. And I was like standing on the side of the stage, like, wow, you know, like that's what I want. You I just want wanted that attention. Yeah, and I was like, I want that. I want, I want the chick, like, <laughs> <laughs> whatever, man. But I was like, that's what I want. Like, For sure. The people were screaming and like having a good time, and I was like, that's what I want. So I went, you know, uh, I asked my, you know, my family like, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, uh, I'm a guitar. I'd be cool. And uh, they showed up with a keyboard, and I was like, I fucking was like shredding on the keyboard. So you Just actually tried to learn how to play? Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, you didn't take it I'm, in and exchange it for the guitar. That's the part I was well, waiting for you to tell me. Well, no, no well, no. I, 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 I set it up, and I was like, I shredded on the keyboard, and I was like, okay, I could do this, but I still want a guitar. It wasn't cutting it. And, and so and I was like, yeah, I asked for a guitar. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be an asshole. Like, I, you know, I'm not trying to be a 14, 15 year old kid being a jerk. But, I asked for a guitar, so I'm like, okay, cool. They returned it, and they're like, "Here's the credit. Go get what you want." Right. So I was like, I went to uh, Music Unlimited in San Leandro, <clears throat> which is where I was living at the time, and I was like, "I want that." It was like a Burmese, no-name Stratocaster, right? And I, and I, I grabbed it. I started jamming on it. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing, bro. But all I knew, like in my mind, I was like, I need to strengthen my fingers. Like I need to fucking 
figure out what the fuck I'm doing. So I, I would do my own exercises, like every string I would play it note for note from the top to the bottom. Were you taking then, lessons yet or you just no, fucking no, around on no your lessons. own? Just on my own. I was like, I need to, you know, I want to learn how to play this shit. So I Have did you all these ever exercises. taken lessons? No, nah, none at all. That's fucking amazing, dude. Seriously, yeah, that's none crazy. None at all. None at all. And I, 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 like I said, I was, I was doing my own exercises, and then finally, you know, one day I was like, maybe I should get a book and like how to do this shit, you know. So I bought a book, and I, the first page is like the first thing you need to do is was it tab learn. or was it uh, actual musical? It was, it was an actual music book, like wow. How, how to and you're all self-taught. Yeah. That's how to play amazing. Guitar. That's and the amazing. first thing I did, the first thing the page said was like, first, you have to tune your guitar. And I was like, what? Tune your guitar? That's some crazy shit. But by that time, you know, my I had uh, my calluses were all fucking gone and taken care of. Like, I did so many exercises, like, I, I could bend a string no problem. And I, I got a callus. So once I learned how to tune the guitar, I was like, ooh, fuck. You know? I had all these uh these books where um it was it was like a guitar for the practicing musician, which was all tabs, tablature. And I was like, you know, I got this record, I got this Scorpius blackout record, and this song is on it. Let me let me learn how to play it. And so I figured out, you know, second fret, first fret, blah, blah, blah. And I played along to, you know, Scorpion's Dio at, in the beginning. Uh, Just saw the 80s know, that, kind of hair metal type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That that stuff was, you know, I was, to me, Dio was like some of the hardest shit I ever heard, you know. Holy Diver, Last in Line. And, and I was able to play along to the, these books through the tablature. And then... Uh, then finally, I was just like, I just started playing shit by ear, man. I was like, I was playing along to like DRI, uh, Dayglow Abortions. I had the Attitude Adjustment record that I would play along to. And, I, you know, I just fucking learned the songs on my own. That's sick. So can, yeah, can we yeah. take it a tiny bit back, though? Because I want to know when you when you first heard, um, like, what was your first exposure to getting into hardcore? Was it through the metal side or the punk side, which came first and what was that exposure? Who showed you that? Uh, well, I learned, I learned, uh, I was learning, my, you know, on my own, I was learning through, you know, the Scorpions and Dio. And I thought that was, that was the heaviest shit at the time, bro. And, uh, I would go to concerts like to see Judas Priest, and Dio, Maiden. And that was my, my exposure to it. I was like, God, this is fucking amazing shit, you know? And, uh, and this is like when I was, I was like middle school or junior high school, junior high, and then into transitioned into high school, and and I, I told my friend that was you know my my uh, my co student next to me, bro, I just went and saw fucking Metallica, blah 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 at the fucking Cow Palace, and and he's like, oh yeah, you like that heavy stuff? Well, what year was that? This. That was uh, 85, Damn. 86, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, So, like, like Master that? of Puppets era. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, you like that stuff? Here, look at the, listen to this. And he gave me, like, uh, English Dogs. And I was like, this is metal, too. Like, this is kind of metal, but it was heavier metal, you know? 
and he's like, and if you think this is cool, like listen to this. And he gave me like, uh, he gave me the Meat Man, and I was like, this. I listened to that shit. And I was like, oh my god, this is fucking funny. Like they talk shit. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, but he's like, and if you want more, like listen to this DRI record, like dealing with it. And I was like, oh, that shit just blew my mind. And then you know, like he's like, hey, hey, this weekend we're going to the farm to go see uh, DRI and. Uh, I think it was discharge and possessed. Damn. He's like, come through, come through, bro. And I was like, all right, cool. And we went and it was fucking crazy. And like, discharge was different. So everybody was pissed because they didn't sound the same. They were all screechy. And yeah, they, they throwing, had kind of switched their style up by then. Yeah, they started throwing I think they had bottles. different members too, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like a whole different lineup. But nobody expected that. And I didn't know either. So I was like, Whatever, man. And he's like, this shit sucks. So you start this, this is kind of like your first kind of like punk thrash type show. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going. Willie, my friend Willie Hebner, he's like, we're going to the farm, bro. It's like nothing but anarchy, right? You just go in there, you listen to the bands, and I'm pretty sure one of the first bands I saw was like uh, MDC and then DRI, like Headline, and uh, and I was just like, whoa, you know. They'd done their set, and all of a sudden they'd just walk walk by, and they'd walk, walk by you, and you're like, "Whoa!" They just walk right by me, like they're like fucking musicians. Like you know, that doesn't happen, right? And yeah, but they're just dudes. Yeah, he's like, they're just here to play their show and fucking do it. <clears throat> it's like a level playing field. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, they just come up to you and talk to you and fucking like you like you're a person, like you're a normal person. I didn't expect that at all, man. And that's what, that kind of was like what drew me into that shit. I was like, yeah. So you start going, wanna, you start coming I out all the cool. time? Yeah. I was like, I want to be cool with this. I want to be fucking, you know, associate with them directly. Like no barriers, no fucking security, shit like that. <clears throat> and again, you're and, like 16 or so at the time. Yeah. I was 15, 16. Okay. And then, and then Willie again was like, "We're going to the farm again. It's going to be Fang, RKL, Youth of Today, Damn. Capital Punishment." And uh, these I, bills are crazy. Just, yeah, <laughs> Fang, Attitude Adjustment, RKL, Capital Punishment, Youth of Today. To think about that Fang was, and Youth of Today on the on the same show like that's wild. That was the first show that turned me the fuck out. Like I love punk rock. I was always into punk rock, and then, and then Youth of Today came out, you know, and they were like, and they were like, preaching and fucking. It was Craig Satori on bass, Richie Birkenhead on guitar, Porcel on guitar, uh, Sammy on drums, and of course Ray. Wow. And I remember, I remember Richie Birkenhead wearing a Beastie Boys shirt. So br- break, it was a break down the walls era, right? Yeah, break down the walls, and they they came out preaching, talking all this stuff like positive shit, right? And I'm I'm sitting there staring at them, I'm just sucked in. I was like, holy fuck, dude, fucking! And they, you know, they they came out and they crushed, they fucking crushed. We're talking '86, bro. And then after that, like I was like, my mind was changed, like everything was changed. Like I really love punk rock; it was aggressive, but but youth of today, like blew me away bro but you were never <laughs> you were never straight edge or in it none of no, that right no i was never straight edge. i was never straight edge 
I was smoking weed and drinking beer, you know, at 15, 14, 15, bro. Yeah. And then, and when then I, no, up, no disrespect, but when I think of you, I definitely think more of Murphy's Law than you did today. <laughs> Murphy's Law is my jam, too, yep, bro. Yep. But that's but after, that's sick though. It's just that, the energy of it, right? Yeah, bro. I was like blown away. I was like, "Whoa, this is this is not anything like I had experienced before, bro." Like he actually like uh, Ray Ray today like actually grappled into my brain. It was like, "This is it for you, bro." That's so rad. The, the next day, I was like, "I'm going to fucking Rasputin's in Berkeley. I'm going to go look for this record." I searched through the wise and sure enough, Youth of Today, you know, the uh, Red and Blue cover, which was the second edition, was was right there. And I was like, grabbed it. And I'm like, let me look at some other shit. Like, you know, it was like Adrenaline Overdose. I grabbed that like a seven inch. And uh, I was just like, wow. I was blown away. I was blown away. I was like, I could just see a band. I could see a band, and then, boom! The next day, I can just go buy the record. Like the distribution, like now, is like seems more impossible than ever. But for me to just be like, oh, I just saw it today. Now I can go over to Rasputin's and buy the record. Yeah, and bam, there and bam, there it is. So I was like, what the hell? No, I just blew you away and just like real game changer. Yeah, yeah, for sure, bro. It was, it was a, the the uh, my my life just went like a, a one eighty, bro. Because I was like so hooked on this fucking hardcore, like New York hardcore, you know. Because I was like, wow. And then you just start wow. you just start digging deeper from there, like looking for other bands and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, in, in 85, 86, I was just looking for, you know, other bands. And my friend Willie was like, bro, there's, you know, Poison Ideas playing. We should go check them out. Like, Let's go. Were you, go. Were you guys like, doing the tape trading thing back then? Uh, Not yet. Like, we were we were exchanging records. Like, she'd be like, here, listen to this record. Take but it not like, like through the mail or whatever, how dudes would send tapes and stuff. They would write down what they had and, like, or is that more like a thrash metal thing? I don't know. I always heard about dudes way back doing that, like, putting it in the classifieds and, you know, it, just trading stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I remember seeing that shit, like, in Maximum Rock and Roll, but, but not, when, not at this point. At this point, I was just, like, I was oblivious to that. Gotcha. If anything, so I, you know, my friend would be like, "Oh, you like this met this Metallica shit, huh? You know, take this record home, listen to it, tell me what you think." And we had, you know, we sat, we sat across from him, so he was always like, so "What'd you think?" And we we're like, "Bro, this is a sick record. What else you got?" And he, he's like, "Oh, here, listen to this suicidal. That don't sound right, you know." But <laughs> when I popped that shit, when I popped that shit on, I was like. Fuck, this is fucking insane, bro. Which one was it? The first one? Mind blown. Yeah, it was the self-titled band. I was like, I was like, whoa! I from that point, on, I was like, you know what? I need to learn how to play this shit. Did you see? Um, sorry, could I ask you? Did you see the the visual to go with it? Yeah, dude. Yeah, like oh, yeah. for for suicidal and uh, being Hispanic. Was that something that you identified with? Like, 
coming up in the scene. I mean, it's mostly, you know, it's a predominantly like a white scene, you know, punk rock, yeah. hardcore yeah, yeah. metal. Uh, and obviously being, being a Mexican dude, was that something that you felt like you could connect with it? Yeah. I mean, suicidal had, you know, the bandanas, the fucking, uh, flannels and, uh, and all that stuff, like the working, you know, working, working, uh, working class shirts and with, the uh, drawings on them and stuff like that, which was fucking awesome. And then I ended up doing that shit. I was like, Oh, this is, this is what I want. I want to fucking draw my shit. Like my working shirt that I didn't have a really have a job, but I was like, I, I related to it. It was like, that's it, bro. And I was like, and then there's Mexicans playing fucking punk rock. I'm like, that's it. I'm in. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm in, bro. Yeah. And has you, uh, has you met Ernie or is that way, way later on? Or, uh, I, I had met Ernie in, in 85, 86, but only briefly. Like he was always like coming and going. He was coming and going. Like, Did you guys was, go to school together? No, no, no. He was uh, he was like in Alameda, Oakland, and I was always in Oakland, San Leandro, usually. Okay. Um, and so it was just kind of on the scene at shows and everything. Yeah, no, no, not even at shows. It was mostly like, uh, uh, like after work or after school, I would go hang out with the fella with the with the fellas on the avenue, and we, you know, we'd all throw in our money to get a couple of forties so we could drink and drink on the corner. And uh, and that you know we just hang out and talk shit, and then suddenly you know you know here comes Ernie like just out of nowhere, this pompadour and fucking Pendleton, and he's like what's up guys what's, what's going down? Nothing man we're just chilling drinking our brews you know, and then he'd be like all right cool I'm out, and he and he'd be out, and then one time I was I was driving down uh international or my friend was driving down international i was in the passenger he was waiting at a bus stop for the bus and we're like yo bro you need a ride and I'm, like, no, 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 no. I'm only like 10 minutes away from where he's going it was he was going to alameda or something <clears throat> but he had his pompadour pendleton and then like okay cool we'll see you around bro actually no you know uh he would occasionally pop up surface and uh just randomly, you know, and we'd hang out, we'd drink beers. And then I'm going to say it was like 87. Like I was, I was a senior in high school and uh, and he showed up and he's like, he's totally different. He's like, he's got a, a, a fucking Mohawk leather jacket with the GBH on it. And he's like, yo, he comes up to the avenue where we're drinking beer. I'm still doing the same shit with the, with the gang and shit. You know, my, my homie's in 36th, and he comes up and he's like, yeah, what's up, man? I'm like, what's up? What you, what's you into the punk rock stuff? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah man. And I was like, me too, bro. But, you know, I'm not dressed in the part. I was just, I just had the attitude. Mm-hmm. And he's like, bro, I'm trying to start a band, bro. And I was like, well, oh, shit. Um, well, all right. I, I play guitar, like, let's do it. And he came over. He came over. He's like, yeah, I want to hear what you got, man. I want to see, see how you play. And uh, I had, 
they go abortions, uh, feet as a fetus, like playing. And I was like, I could play every song on that fucking record, bro. You tell me what you want to hear. Like, play it for the beginning. I start, I played like two songs, and then he's like, um, all right, you're in the band. And I was like, what the? And he's like, we're gonna call ourselves illiterate drunk assholes. What is it? All right, cool. Illiterate drunk assholes. <laughs> yeah, we were just fucking kids, bro. That's <laughs> so, so sick. But, but you know, and you guys it, are like was, 17 at this point. Uh, no, we were like 16, bro. And then, and then I, I, I went to school with my homie Benji. Uh, I went to a middle school with him or elementary school with him in, in Lincoln um, in Chinatown. And then I went also went with him to uh, Westlake uh, Middle School. And he was like, yo, I play drums, but I play all this metal stuff, man. I was like, well, we're trying to start a band, bro. You want to jump in? And uh, we ended up uh, rehearsing in his garage in Jefferson in uh, West Oakland. And we just did covers for a bit, you know, like, okay, let's just gel. Let's just see what happens, you know. None of us knew what the fuck we were doing, but somehow we ended up playing some Metallica songs. And and then all of a sudden he's like, yo, we should really try to write our own shit. And we're like, I'm down. Bring it. And all we did was, you know, drink beer, party. And half the time we'd forget to to practice because we were just having so much fun as friends, partying and shit. And, uh, and finally, we were, you know, we were like, come on, man, we, we could write at least one song, man. And from one song, one song turned into like 20 songs. And, Damn. Uh, we had a demo, like four song demo. And then from that, we did a like a 12 track, like full length on cassette. Um, heavy stuff. Like it, it was crazy, bro. It's like, and what year friend, was the full length? Uh, that was like, uh, 87, 88. And did you guys put it out yourself? Yeah. Yeah. We just fucking recorded it on a four track and, uh, drone cover. Uh, actually our homie, uh, Dell or fresh graffiti artist, uh, drew a cover for us. And he's like, yo, I like you guys. I'll draw whatever you guys want. And we drew it up and we put it out. Yeah, we didn't, you know, we didn't know that many people at the time, but but we tried to give it to all our friends like for free. Like, yeah, take this, take this, enjoy it. Were you guys playing shows? Or yeah, really? yeah, we started we started we started playing shows in eighty eight. Eighty eight was like after early to twenty one. Uh, I was 20, 19, 20, and uh, we, we started playing. We, we rehearsed a lot, and then we're like, okay, we're ready. And then we started playing, and we're like, no, we're not ready for the show. Uh, we ended up playing with like uh, Point Blank and Anxiety from Livermore, Pleasanton. Uh, they played a, a, a birthday party with Ernie's 21st birthday, which is 1988. And uh, and all we did was party and just we we were too drunk to play, <laughs> so we didn't. So we didn't do it. We didn't do. It. We just heard the bands. And you just you guys didn't up. even end up playing. You just chilled. Yeah, we we were ready to play, but we got so drunk we're just like, fuck it, we're not gonna play no more. And uh, but the other bands played. Anxiety played. Five Figure Discount played. Point Blank. And uh, from that point on, I was like, we, 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 you know, we became really good friends with the bands. And, um, 
uh, in Point Blank, it was Jay, Big Jay, Donut, and uh, Tim Slice. And then we ended up stealing Jay to play drums for us later on. Yeah. Because we became, you know, we became friends first, bro. It was like, we partied, we played, we became friends. Friends lasted longer than some of the music, so um, we we just we, we ended up hooking up. It was like and hanging out a lot, and from that point on, you know, it was like uh, Jay was in Point Blank, Tim Slice was in Point Blank, one of the guitarists left Point Blank, and uh, IDA wasn't really doing much. A little drunk assholes, they weren't doing that much. Uh, so they're like, "Hey, we need a guitarist," and I was like, "I'll play, fuck it." So I, I joined Point Blank for a couple of years. And so what, when would that have been, like 90 or something? Uh, 89, 90, yeah. And this is before Powerhouse, like obviously. Yeah, way before Powerhouse. Because uh, Powerhouse didn't start till like 93 or so? It was uh, uh, 92 um, with the original band, the original band members. But 90, 91, it was Point Blank. IDA. 88, 89, Point Blank, 90, 91. Then Powerhouse. Like, I was playing in Point Blank, and Ernie was like, yo, I think you we need a guitar player, you know? Uh, it was him, uh, Rick, Rick Fitzsimmons, who's in uh, Mad at Sam, uh, Kevin Reed, which was a singer of attitude adjustment he was singing for them mm-hmm. and uh gene jones who and he's, he's on the first demo right the one that's yeah, like full color fir- yeah he's on the first demo that's before chris uh, yeah before chris and it was it was a brief it was a brief thing uh you know i joined in i was like i learned all the songs i started jamming and um because they were they were jamming before you, right? Or like yeah, yeah, they were jamming for me. And Ernie was like, "Yo, bro, I, I need you to join this band." Like we were super tight in IDA, uh, killer guitar player, Point Blank. You would fit right in with this. And I was like, "Well, let me hear some of the shit. I want to play it. Like, let me hear it before before I say yes." Yeah. And I heard some stuff. He's like, "Well, come through, come through." They were playing in the Open Hills somewhere. He's like, come through, check it out. It was fucking really dope shit, bro. So I, I go over and I was like, oh fuck, you guys are fucking insane. There was, you know, sick ass cuts and fucking breakdowns, and I was like, all right, I'm done, I'm done. And so there was only one guitarist player at the time, and and he's like, yeah, come through, come through and just rehearse and fucking see what you think, and if you want to play along with it, fine. I did that. I ended up doing that. And I was like, oh, fuck, it's, it was fun, you know? It, was like, it brought that shit back. Like, like this is what I want to play. I want to play fucking hardcore. Yeah. Punk rock is cool, but hardcore just fucking... You wanted to play that Youth of Today shit. Yeah, bro. And, and, and I was like, okay. And they were playing a different style, and I was like, I can jump in there and not totally change it, but totally make it better, like, to the... To the the actual sound that we want to, we want to, we want to have. Yeah. Like refine, like uh, shape the clay kind of like refine it. Yeah. 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 It was was messy. It was, they were refined, but I was like, I could totally like mold this shit in a different direction where it's going to be super fun and 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 enjoyable. 
and musically who was doing um like most of the writing at that time at that point was it you or ernie or no at that point it was ernie and i was just trying to learn some of the songs that they had try to fix them or not fix them but make them make them much tighten them yeah make them my style and try to try to uh sink in with the drums and and um and, and it worked out it worked out for a bit and then then uh you know kev kev was like uh he was hanging out with me and ernie a little too much and uh and we were in our gang mentality you know like you can't you can't do this without getting fucked up you know and then he kind of got scared a little bit he kind of got scared a little bit i think we scared him a little bit because uh you know, we were like me and Ernie would be like, just give a crazy eye and Kevin a crazy eye, and he'd be like, "Yo, what do you mean, man? What are you guys trying to do?" Like, nothing, man. You just you got to be on point, or you're not. And I think at the time, you know, Kevin Reed was like divvying into like speed or whatever. <clears throat> so we were like, we don't want that. Like, this is not what we're about. We just want to have fun, party, drink, but not with that kind of shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Kevin was like, well, fuck you guys, man. And we're like, what? We kind of like, we took that, we, we took that as a wrong thing. Like, what do you mean? Fuck you guys. And, uh, I remember we're looking at him and we kind of like, well, fuck you. We gave, we put him in a chokehold. Like I put him in a chokehold and he was like, fuck like he was like, his face was all red, <clears throat> and he's like, "Okay, stop, stop." And I was like, "Okay, cool." He's like, I don't know what happened, bro, but you know, you can't just fucking come up to us and talk like that to us, you know? Yeah. He bailed. He ended up bailing, like leaving where we were partying at. We were partying at Ernie's house over on Forty Six and East Fourteenth, and uh, before he had actually started Sacred Tattoo. Um, but you know, Kev was like, fuck you guys. And we're like, what? Fuck you guys. We, we kind of took that wrong for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so we fought, you know, he, he took off. He, he was living in Fremont at the time. He took off and we're like, you can't leave, bro. He's like, you can't just bounce. Like, you blood in blood out. We brought out that blood in blood out shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of just fucking, kind of just fucking around, but he kind of like, joking, half not. Yeah. Half joking, half not. And he was like, what and he just fucking bounced like we followed him to his fucking place and <laughs> he went all the way into his house and he turned on his lights and we were in the window like knocking on his window like crazy fucking bugger you know and That's we're wild. like and we're like blood blood in blood out <laughs> blood in blood out and from that point forward like kevin was like fuck this man he he just fuck dipped that. he didn't want to yeah he didn't he like, the band anymore. i don't want to i don't want to deal with you fucking these these maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, we didn't have a we didn't have a guitar player or a singer for a while. Uh and that's when we you know uh our our guitar player at the time, Scott Rudner, uh was like, Well, I know a guy, you know, he's from Jersey, but I don't know if he's sang any bands or not, but we can ask him. And uh, he's a good friend of mine. Uh we ended up meeting Chris like in ninety two. Um, and we're like, yo, you want to try out for us? Like, here's the fucking tape. Learn this, learn the lyrics. Like, we don't know the lyrics. You just learn them. 
So this was like, I'll do what I can. And uh, and like, here's here's when we're practicing. Come show up to this day. We're practicing here. Do what you can, you know. He came out and he busted some of the lyrics and made up his own. And, and we're like, oh shit, that's fucking, you know, that works. It was like a. So it was the old songs with new lyrics, basically. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it was like, uh, there, there was something there that just like makes the lyrics and his, his vocal abilities, like, they just. Yeah, you guys just have a chemistry. Like his changed, his voice with your music is like it fits perfect. You know, they changed everything. They changed the whole fucking aspect. And we're just like, whoa, you know, like, well, do you want to be in this band? And he's like, well, if you guys want me in the band, and he's like, well, I and I don't drink and I don't do any drugs. So if you guys do that, I'm okay with it. And we're like, okay, cool, cool. Me and Ernie looked at each other like. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and, and uh not only that, but like he fit. He the fucking lyrics fit, his fucking vocal style fit. Yeah. Uh, it, it 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 changed the whole dynamic, man. <clears throat> and from that point forward we started playing, you know, house parties, shows, you know, Santa Cruz. San Leandro, Oakland, Alameda. We play. We were playing everywhere, bro. Backyard parties, clubs. Played the Hofbrau. We played uh, fucking your place too. Uh, uh, you probably don't remember your place too, but it was nah, it was before my time. Who? What yeah. was the scene like back then? Like, what were the other bands and like what was just that climate and the vibe? Because I know the early '90s uh, in the Bay Area for hardcore was just kind of like the dark ages. Yeah, it was, there was hardly anything there, man. And, it was like uh, you guys in Second Coming, pretty much, right? Well, at first it was it was like we ended up uh, we ended up actually playing more shows with like Press Logic and ZBS and yeah, uh, the punk crowd. We played a bunch of shows with some metal bands too. We played with uh, you know Level, Fueled, Skin Lab, Machine Head too, right? Yeah, Machine Head. That was that was a little bit later on, but you know. We played with a lot of metal bands, and it was like it felt good, but it was not the same. You know, it was like, and was this Berkeley Square era, or just like right before? Yeah, that? Berkeley Berkeley Square. We played a, you know, we played fucking the Omni. We played uh, just wherever, bro. I mean, we put Brave New World in the city. We played a lot of stuff with uh, Scott Alka Holocaust. He would he would just like, hey, you're in a band, and you guys fucking shred. I don't give a shit. Just play. Come play this place, you know? We play the Club Chameleon. A lot of shows in the city, a lot of shows in Berkeley, Laval's Pizza. That's actually... Oh, yeah, I remember that spot. Yeah. Yeah, Laval's Pizza over on the other side of the campus. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, Press Logic had a lot to do with the booking of those shows. Yeah, they were super active at that time. Yeah, yeah, they were really active. They were really hustling. Um. But there was really nothing else, man. It was like, we were just like, we're a hardcore band. We're fucking here to play. And all of a sudden, like, you know, a couple of friends were like, you should check this band out. They're hardcore. And I was like, oh, second coming. They're from fucking, they're from the East Bay, too. Like, and I was like, what were they playing? They play where? Where are they playing? And they're like, oh, they're playing Gilman a couple couple weeks. You should go check them out. My friend Jessica Jones was like, yeah, they're playing at Gilman. 
tomorrow night you should come and i was like we walked in there and i was like oh shit i walked in i was like god damn they were fucking just sweating bro like jeff hill was on uh guitar uh joey deuce and they were just fucking shredding bro and i was like i looked up and i was like oh fuck i'd really love to fucking play with these guys it would be a fucking nice man just play like you know not just gilman but like Ever, bro, wherever we could play. We we had shows in Alameda, Alameda Saloon, the Driftland. It was like a lot of little kind of random spots back then, right? Yeah, just random nowhere. Like, you know, you'd get 20, 30 people, and it was mostly just a party. You know, just a party. And a lot of spots wouldn't last that long either, right? No, no. Crazy shit would pop off at shows. Yeah, yeah, it would just be. Um, it would just be like, you know, uh, one night, one show. Like a one and done. <laughs> uh, yeah, one and done. And like the club would like close and shit. Like, well, whatever. But we played, you know, like I said, we played house parties. House parties never fucking went away. <clears throat> so second coming, you know, uh, I found, we found second coming. We became friends. We played, started playing shows together. And then, uh, and then, and then Redemption 87 came through. Yeah, what uh, year was that? What year did they form? You remember? That was probably ninety five. Okay, yeah, that sounds. Yeah, that sounds right. <clears throat> but they were like, "Hey, these guys want to play, and fucking, you guys should play with them." And we're like, "Sure." I mean, the more the merrier, you know. We're just trying to fucking do our own thing. But those were the three staples, I think, of the Bay Area. Man, it was us, Second Coming, Redemption '87. Oh, definitely. We we met. We weren't really immediate friends, but you know, the more we played together, the more we became better acquaintances. I guess you could say. Yeah, well, they're kind of on yeah. a different vibe than you guys, but they're like you said, there really wasn't that many hardcore bands at the time, you know. So no, no, you just no, really no. kind of had to make the scene with what you had, you know. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, I, from doing my research, like with uh, Second Coming, I was like, oh shit, like they've been around for a while, like. Yeah, I was going to ask, were, were you like, aware of Breakaway and stuff? Like, had you seen like, them? Even, yeah, like, I might have even seen them. Like, I, I pulled up flyers where I'm like, wait, I was at that show. Yeah. And, like, I seen Breakaway or or Nuclear Rabbit or whatever. And I'm like, Rabbit Lassie even, you know what I mean? I was like, Rabbit Lassie, shit. And I'm like, Joey, you played this show? Like, I, I think I was there. Like, I was there. Yeah. And, and then, like, and like, I didn't catch any Unit Pride shows, but... Uh, but I know, like, you know, I was mostly going to uh, the farm shows. I didn't really go to Gilman shows that much. Not until later. Yeah. Well, Gilman, like, uh, Gilman wasn't really having, like, a ton of hardcore and, like, thrash stuff at that time, right? No, no. no I, I think They I, were kind of more I, like the lookout kind of club. Yeah, yeah. But I, I remember attending a hardcore show at Gilman, like, in 89, 90. And um, the security guys were like, Jesus Christ, man. These straight edge guys are worse than the drunk guys like, to maintain. And I was like, well, that makes no sense. But uh, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was like Nando uh, was doing security for Gilman. He's like, these fucking straight edge guys are worse than the drunk guys when they come to the fucking shows. I was like, well, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, they're just fucking just unmanageable. You know, I was like, well, they're having a fucking good time, man. That's what it is. Ultimately, 
ultimately that's what it is. They're having a great time. Yeah. That's why they come to shows. Like they don't come to be fucking maintained and security keeping a track on them, you know, or whatever. Yeah. How was, um, what was like the climate of the scene back then? Was it like rough? Was it violent? Like, what was it like? It was, uh, it was a hit or miss, man. If you didn't have a crew, you were going to get smashed and you had to be, you know, aware. Um, it, it was scary, bro. You'd go to a show like for, with like band, you don't know that you like, or but you don't know like what kind of crew they bring or whatever. Like you'd have to be, you have to be aware, like at any minute, at any moment you bump into somebody wrong or something or whatever, that, you know, you get smashed. Yeah. It was dangerous. You know, that was, that was part of the thrill of like actually going to the shows though. Like, I don't know if I'm getting my ass kicked or not. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I think but, half of the excitement and the thrill of punk and hardcore when you're young and just discovering it is like the element of danger. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I can specifically say, just speaking for myself, being being a young kid and being at your guys' shows, I had that feeling, you know, and I was I was addicted to that feeling, you know. So yeah, yeah, bro. there's something that just really draws you in about that, you know. It's like things can go bad in a moment's notice, but. Anyway. You you just want to be there, you know. You don't you don't give a shit. You're like I don't care. Like yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is the most and, fun and, thing in the world, you know. And and what made it what made it one instance was like uh, I was at a, a DRI show at the farm. People slam dancing like crazy. They're doing the whole dealing with it fucking record. And I think it was like right before the crossover stuff, the five year plan. And uh, people were slam dancing and fucking circuiting, and all of a sudden this dude gets knocked out, knocked down, like in the pit. And somebody just grabs grabs him by the hand, picks him back up, and we're and I was just like, whoa! Like, not only will they fuck you up, but they'll also take care of you. Like, yeah, make sure you're safe. You know, you want to make it. They want to make sure you're safe so you can go back out and do it again. Yeah. Well, it's not it's not malicious. It's like there's a there's a consciousness to it, and I mean we're all kind of, I mean everybody really wants to go home in one piece for the most part. Yeah, of course. You know, of course. <laughs> of course. And and from that point on, I was like, yo, this is this is for people to let out all their anger, but also for them to be safe. And when they feel like they're in danger or they fucking get trampled, somebody's gonna pick them up. And and to me at the time, I was like, ah, doesn't compute like this is a violent show you're supposed to get trampled all that shit but not only that you pick them up they get up and they're like thanks and they carry on back to what they were doing slam dancing stage diving moshing whatever and that was a lot of the part of like what drew me in and had me hooked you know, I was like, wow, these people actually care. Like, they don't give a shit. They're not here to fucking fuck people up. There were some bad seeds in the crowd occasionally, but not, you know, the majority of the time. It was like kids have fun. You get trampled accidentally. You get picked up. Who are, so your, you who are your favorite bands to... Uh... To see or, or to dance, you know, stage dive and just get into it that time that you were into. 
Bro, it, it was, uh, I mean, Poison Idea, they were, you know, they were always coming through because they were on this side of the coast. I, yeah. I, barely got, I rarely got to see East Coast bands, but when I did, I was like, it's on, you know. But, yeah, Point Blank, um, Poison Idea, Accused, RKL, I saw RKL a bunch of times. And, um, Do you have a favorite Poison Idea record? Yeah, Feel the Darkness. For yeah, sure. that one is, yeah, I love that one too. I think that's my favorite. Yeah, I got the reissue of that at one of their last shows from one of my friends. And I was like, bro, I need, I need that. I already have it, but I don't have this one. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a little it was the last show. Record edition. collectors are pretentious assholes. <laughs> For real. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I ended up sharing that meme where it was like Poison Ikea, where that fucking that, that Ikea shelf just fucking crumbles because all the records are on it. <laughs> That's Ikea. pretty good. But anyway, yeah, they were Poison Idea was one of the hardest bands I fucking had ever heard. And, um, Totally different style. Like they were hardcore, but they were also punk. Yeah, they're they're just kind of riding that line, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then, I think like yeah. it, depending on which side you come from, the punk side, the hardcore side. I think there's a little bit of something for everybody, you know. Yeah, bro. Everybody can relate to that fucking record. Man. Yeah. Whole. I mean, I think everybody should check it out. There's probably some people who are sleeping on it still, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's I mean, their bad. <laughs> Kings of Punk is also fucking really good. Yeah, I mean, there's a great, great band. You know, great band. Great fucking band, and and and, and, and especially for the West Coast that time, you know, like yeah, yeah, just yeah. to have like a like, really hard, fast hardcore band like that was one of our bands yeah. being from the you West Coast. Had, you know, you either, I mean, you either had uh, L.A. bands or you either had San Francisco bands, but but idea was like what Portland? Okay, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Well, I think fuck also. There's a lot of, I mean, the Bay definitely has great punk bands and later on hardcore bands. But I think at that time, like the Bay was really obviously known for thrash, you know? Right. So there's like kind of some of those bands that it's like, maybe the punks might be like, oh, that's a metal band. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they're great bands, but it's like, oh, those are like, that's a metal band. Oh, that's a punk band. It's like, there's there's a lot of division, you know? But Poison yeah. Idea is one of those bands that I think you could just like, you just kind of can't really hate. It's just good, you know. Raw, straight in your face. You know? It's like motor, like Motorhead. You know what I mean? Like everybody likes Motorhead. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like it's a it's a crowd pleaser. For sure. Oh yeah, for sure. So at this time, um, you guys are doing the band, and um, had you guys done the the first demo with Chris yet? Uh, that was like in '93. Uh, we had done the demo with uh, Kaz. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we recorded that in San Francisco. I really can't re remember the name of the place, but we did a demo there. It was like six or seven tracks, and they came out great. They came out great, but then, you know, I think we chased off Kaz because of our uh, game mentality. Um, and so, yeah, then when, when Chris came on, we're like, you know, here, here's here's some songs. Learn them. Uh, if you can't figure out the lyrics, you know, make them up. Because uh, we didn't know. We were like, we don't know the fucking lyrics. He didn't give us a lyric sheet or anything like that. Yeah. And Chris was like, Chris was like, okay, cool. I'll fucking figure it out. You know. And uh, 
sure enough, he fucking came and crushed it. And we did a bunch of rehearsals and, uh, uh, before we played some shows and then we started playing shows and they were like, yo, I know this place where we record, we can record. Um, let's go do this fucking demo. Like you already got all this shit down. We played fucking numerous shows and house parties, fucking shows in East Bay, West Bay. Let's fucking record this shit and put this shit out. And, uh, we went in there and just fucking, you know, we knew what we were getting into and fucking did it. Were you happy with how that one came out? Yeah, totally, man. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I love that demo. Personally, I love that demo. For the, for the budget that we had, which was nothing, <laughs> we just poured out like 100 bucks a piece and we had three or four hours to, to do it and we went in there and fucking, you know, ripped it as fast as we could, man, to get as much time in as we could. And you guys got a lot of mileage out of that demo too, right? Like you guys yeah, got that one to yeah. the East Coast, and people yeah, were really bro. feeling that demo. Yeah, bro, we fucking you know we I was doing this PO box thing where I was shipping fucking those demos out, you know, twenty a week, bro. Yeah, you guys were really putting on for the Bay at that time. Like you guys yeah, were pretty much the only band. I mean, me and Matt just talked about it. You heard it in the episode. You were yeah the band that that kids in other places that they knew that's the band from the bay you know yeah so and, and and like to me it wasn't even that it was like it was like i know i know second coming was here i know redemption was here yeah and no disrespect to those guys by the way i didn't yeah, mean it no, like that no but but no, obviously no, no you got you guys were the ones that got to the east coast first you know yeah so. we we paved we 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 ended up doing things that second coming and redemption couldn't do like tour yeah, and uh, and 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 you know lay that shit out like, hey, we're from here. Listen to this demo. Here's a free demo. Here's a demo for two bucks. You know, uh, we 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 wanted to play not just the East Bay, not just the West Bay, but we wanted to you know bring it nationwide, and then it, it ended up being worldwide. You know. Yeah, Which you is, you guys were pirates. You wanted to go out and uh, pillage, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> go out oh, and conquer. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sick of playing to the same people. Like, let's go over here. Let, you know. Yeah, let everybody know where you're from. You know. No disrespect, but you know, hey, we want to spread this shit out. Like, and, and not only were we doing it for us, but we're like, hey, you know, when we're when we're in fucking Texas, middle of nowhere. Hey, you got to check out this band Second Coming. You got to check out this band Redemption. And yeah. a lot of a lot of times, you know, I'll be like, "Yo, before we went on tour or anywhere, hey, give me some tapes, give me some CDs or whatever you got. Just give it to me, bro. I'll fucking spread your word just as much as ours, you know." Yeah. And and I think that's what uh, created even a tighter bond because I wasn't, you know, we weren't just you know we weren't we weren't getting the big old egos we were just like yo bro this is what this is what we're supposed to do yeah right the, the scene was so small back then that it's not like there was a lot of money yeah. or fame or anything to be had i mean there were certain bands that were maybe on roadrunner and even headbangers ball like there was like the biohazards and stuff but 
Right. Most most bands in the scene were they're not going to get to that level. So I don't think it was really. It wasn't really like a money motivated or fame motivated type of thing. I think it was just kind of like you guys were just representing for yourselves and each other, you know? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, if, if anything, it was like, hey, if you book us again over here, also book, you know, Redemption. Also book Second Coming with us, bro. We'll come out here and tear the place up. It was all self-promo. Like, uh, I want to promote us, but I also want to promote my friends, man, because they're just as fucking good as we were, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, those bands were amazing. Uh, major shout yeah. out to those guys. Speaking yeah, of speaking of friends, had the had the crew come together at this point, or is that later on? They they started coming around. You know, it was like uh, a lot of uh, the crew was uh, partially with. Um, they followed Kevin a lot too, you know, and then they would follow us to shows, and all of a sudden. You know, his friends would follow us to shows, and we'd build our own crew. And then eventually when he dropped off, it was like we had our own crew. And then they started they started just growing, man. And and they, they weren't in it for anything else, just to have fucking fun and travel. Yeah. And, and just to be there and support, man. It's like... You'd see them like traveling. Um, you'd see them traveling through, you know, city to city, bro. Like they follow us to LA and just all over the Bay Area, man. Wherever we played, they would show up, and uh, eventually, you know, they, they were they were not just crew, but they were our friends, and they knew that everywhere we went, we'd barbecue, we'd fucking party. And just have a good time. We weren't there primarily just to play a show. We were there to fucking have a good time, enjoy ourselves, and just, you know, rip it up after. Definitely. I mean, that's one thing about powerhouses. You you guys have always had that vibe. I mean, for me growing up in the East Bay and, you know, growing up, going to powerhouse shows, you guys have always had that vibe where it's, you know, it's not just the band, but it's the crew and it's a family and you guys are having fun and you're drinking and you're barbecuing and you're shooting off fireworks and whatever yeah. else, you know, you guys are always having a fucking, you know, just raging, having fun. You know, you're like, like big yeah. kids, you know? So big kids, man. yeah, we still do that today. The last recording we were like, we're barbecuing, bring whatever you want. If you don't bring anything, it's totally fine. We have extra shit for you to have beer, food, water whatever we don't we don't leave anybody out man. we want everybody to have and be comfortable with what we do yeah when we do it just a welcoming family vibe yeah man yeah it's because you know what uh that particular um not behavior but the the way we are towards people like that like makes long lasting friendships and they would be like bro remember that time i showed up out of nowhere and you guys were barbecuing and you guys were like uh if you're gonna f money or whatever totally fine like who gives a fuck yeah eat our, eat our food drink our beer we don't care bro just have a good time no just showing just showing love and come one come yeah. all you know and 
Show love, show respect, and everything's all good, but don't disrespect. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we can all have fun. So. Oh, man. You, numerous times where we're like, hey, we don't start nothing. Yeah. We don't start shit. But don't if start somebody none, won't be through, none. Somebody steps those wrong, they get smashed. Yeah. It, it's always, that's always been the case, man. Yeah. I'll co-sign it. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's like, you know, you know, you get boneheads. Boneheads are like, oh, we're going to disrespect the world. Okay, cool. Do it right in front of us. Boom. They do it and, and I'm shitting their pants. Yeah. Pissing their pants. And it's like, it, it didn't even have to go that way, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, definitely. I well, I can literally think of a powerhouse show where, well, anyway, Nazi shit his pants after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we'll save that one for another day. But yeah. Yeah. Shave their shake. You know, they piss their pants or poop their pants, and we're like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not so tough now, huh? Nope. Can't even hold your poop in. All right, never mind. <laughs> So, uh, you guys got the first demo together. You guys are kind of linking up with, uh, bands like Madball are coming through the Bay. You guys kind of linked up with them and did some shows together, right? Yeah. Fuck yeah. That was 95. 95. And then was that the same year that you guys got out to the East coast for the first time? No, no, that was a little later. I think we did, uh, 96. Yeah. Cause I know you guys were, you guys were there when they shot the video for, um, not down by law. Yeah, pride. No, for pride. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pride. No, well they did that they did the little West Coast tour. They did um LA uh see I think Seattle and we went up we went up, you know, with them. Uh, we just we just I think they were just like, "Hey, who's the local hardcore band, you know, that we want to play with and want to rock with them and shit." And we were like, we had Chris had some kind of connect with them. and uh, Just from like, being in Jersey? Yeah, just from being a Jersey kid. And he's like, oh, I know those guys kind of. Not really, but. Uh, and then they were like, well, we'll play with them. And uh, we, we we got offered it and we did it. And they were like, we'll come, we'll come through with you. And uh, the shows were great. And fucking uh, there was an L.A. show where some boneheads showed up. And. Uh, um, yeah, you wanna, do you want to tell that story? I've heard the story, but it'd be sick if you told it. Is this the one where they showed up on the chartered bus? Yeah, they showed up on a bus, like chartered, and they came out and like. Do you, you know, do you remember the name of the band? I think I know it. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. It was like Power tell, Assault. Yeah, yeah. Tell the story. Tell the story. Power Assault. It was like they. they I don't know. We're playing, and then they show up in the bus thing and. A, they, they, they just swarm into the club. I think it was a Troubadour. I, honestly, I can't remember the name of the club. I think I heard it was oh. the Whiskey, but you, pro- whiskey, you probably yeah. know. I mean, I'm sure you know better no, than me. You were fucking there. Was I was 14 was whiskey, years old. <laughs> but they show up and they come in and then, you know, they're they're like, they're not sea-calling yet when we're playing. Uh, but, but we could tell. We're like, oh, shit, these guys are fucking boneheads. You can totally tell. Totally tell. But they're just swarming through the bus, through the side door, and and there must have been 20, 30 of them. And uh, we're just, we're playing and shit. And we're like, whoa, these motherfuckers are going to start some shit, right? And we're like, they're probably waiting for Madball. Well, Madball starts playing and they start seeing Highland, like, through their set, right? And we're just like, 
we tear up all our like all the drums were torn down. We tore all the drums down, like we all had stands and fucking mic stands and all this shit to ready to smash these dudes. Yeah. And um, they start sea calling, and then Freddie and Hoyer like we we have to we have to play the show like we have to play the show. Uh, be ready. Like, we want to get paid, but we also don't want to get hurt. And but uh, be ready. And we, we were just on the side. We were on the sideline. Like we got you guys, bro. We got you. Like your first time out this way. It's also our first time out this way, but we're not going to take this shit and we're not going to let them fuck with you guys. Not that they can handle their own, but we were like, we're just, we were just like a support. A yeah. Strength, I mean, strength in numbers. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and, and plus, uh, fuck the other team too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nazi yeah. pieces so, of shit. Know, fuck them. They, yeah. They show up, they're fucking seeing Holland and fucking Mabo's like, we're going to do one more song. After that, it's on. They do their set. These dudes just sing on it, and we're just like smashing fools. Like we're, you know, I'm throwing fucking uh, mic stand bases at their face, like, and you can hear it just bing, you know, off their heads. And 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 Jay, our drummer, was, you know, 330 pounds, big dog. He's got his, he's got his fucking drum cymbal, fucking stands, like smashing fools, like pa pa pa. I'm I'm envisioning him swinging a, a Home Depot bucket at people. <laughs> exactly. His know, drum stool. Do you remember that movie uh, Wanderers, where the dad's like got the dude? I don't think I saw that one. The no. He's got him by the legs, and he he's swinging at him at all the ducky boys. He's like swinging at him and just knocking people over. Boom, boom. That's what Jay was doing, and we were just like <laughs> we were just smashing fools, and then. Uh, all of a sudden, they just rush out the door, back into the bus, and they take off. And we're like, the fuck just happened, you know? Some ducky boy shit, right? That's wild. So, yeah, we're, we're all fucking, like, still tense a little bit. And we're like, somebody open the door so we can smash these fools. Um, we're all, okay, let's do it. We fucking smack. We open the door, and the bus is totally gone. All these dudes are gone. That, that band Power Saw like left all their gear behind and shit and we're like what the fuck did what you guys cherry song? pick it man we, I think our, our, our uh, guitar at the time uh, Garcia Garcia was like that's a nice cab dude <laughs> <laughs> and he's like bro they all three symbols <laughs> yeah I was like take it bro I mean what the fuck they're not coming back obviously fuck yeah them. fuck yeah. them they bounced they bounced off and and uh that's when uh, you know, you know Madball and fucking Powerhouse was like the bond was like established. Like, yeah, you guys just linked up from then on. We yeah, we had your back. You're like you didn't know what the fuck to expect. <laughs> what the fuck you didn't is know that, what to expect. Is is that where that song came from? Powerhouse yeah. got your back. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm just breaking balls. I'm just like no, no, no. That that was you know that's a general thing for all our friends. Bro. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah, so you guys you guys ended up going to the East Coast like a little bit after that, after you guys linked up with Madball, or uh, did, we did did Rick we did. bring you guys we, out, or who 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 brought you guys uh, out? Yeah, I think yeah, I think it was Rick to life, and uh, he 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 had a bunch of shows set up, and he's like, "Come through, I got you. We can play whatever fucking shows you want." Um, 
Yeah, we ended up we ended up playing uh, New Jersey, New York, uh, Connecticut. Who'd you guys play with out there? Uh, fuck. The one I remember the most is like uh, Maximum Penalty, uh, Killing Time, uh, No Redeeming Social Value. Fuck, Twenty Five to Life. Like Twenty Five to Life had Warren Lee and uh, Beto and. God damn, those are some good times, man. Yeah, that was a really good era of Twenty Five to Life. Yeah, they were like, yeah. I know people love to talk shit now, but I mean, I think Twenty Five to Life was the shit at that time. You know, dude, they were they were you know uh, they they were paving a whole another road for everybody, bro. Yeah, I mean, at that time they were going places that other bands weren't going, and they were really yeah. putting on for hardcore, you know, and um, yeah. All down to earth guys. I mean, fucking, they just wanted to party just like us, man. Uh, they were human just like us, man. It was like, but they were just doing amazing things. And and for for me personally to be able to see him play, like, uh, you know, the pipeline in New Jersey, the wetlands, yeah, and uh, and 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 then the reaction, like. I had never seen New York hardcore like except for like videos, you know. Yeah, was was it a trip to be playing with bands like like you said Killing Time? Like I'm guessing you grew up on like the Raw Deal demo and Brightside yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Was that a trip to be playing with bands like that? Like yeah, man, I was you know you get starstruck, man. Uh, you're talking to these dudes are like I've been doing it for so long, and it's like oh, and that influenced you, and you're just like whoa, you know. You just look at them like. Sorry, you know, fuck. It's <laughs> like some hardcore yeah. rock star shit. Like, yeah, man. Yeah. I, I feel like when I listen to Powerhouse, I can hear a little bit of Raw Deal in some of you guys' songs. Like, you guys kind of got that bounce, you know, like, um, or Killing Time, rather. I don't know, yeah. w- w- whatever you want to say. Is that is that true? Like, am I am I tripping or that's in there, right? I don't hear nothing. I don't hear any of that. I'm, not, I'm my own worst critic when it comes to our music. Bro. Yeah. Like, if it's not good. I don't like it. <laughs> so, but but a lot of the times I'm like, you know, we could be better. We could totally be better, you know. And, and that's my motivation. Like for me, it's like I want to strive to write better songs. Like, okay, this is a good song, but you know, is it going to put people to sleep, uh, or are they going to love it? I, myself, I'm like, this this song would wake up the crowd. This song would make them fucking go crazy. So you want to write something that would make you want to go off. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't want to stand around and listen to great music, but I, I want motherfuckers to, you know, when I write shit, I want to, I want motherfuckers to be like, Oh shit, this is going to get me fuck crazy. Going crazy. Yeah. yeah. Some with that energy. Yeah. Yeah. bro. But yeah, yeah, man, I'm playing with fucking, you know, the, the agnostic front reunion in 96 yeah so that was the same trip right the, when you guys went yeah, out yeah it was a, that wetland show for uh a, the af yeah, reunion yeah we ended up just going out there it was like uh uh did you know about up, that like or was yeah, it a planned yeah, thing or yeah. like did no, you no, just happen no, when I, you were out I there knew, i knew about that from the minute the we were out there for like a week and uh and we ended up you know getting invited to to go to the Madball Pride video shoot, and we were hanging out, and then they're like, "Okay, we're gonna 
we're actually going to premiere it at this show at the wetlands and at that show at the wetlands Gnostic Front is going to reunite and we're like what that's fucking insane right I was just like I was like no this this can't be right something's not right but they they were like nope it's going to happen it's totally going to happen sure enough you know we play Billy Club Sandwich plays Indecisions playing Madball plays and then they're like here's our fucking premiere to the video for Madball Pride and once that video's done they're like and as a bonus, as an added bonus, Gnostic Front is going to do a reunion show right now. And I was just like, oh, but we knew. <laughs> yeah, we knew, but we're like, holy shit. And as soon as they came, they only did like two or three songs, man. But yeah, when those two or three songs they did, man, the fucking. Just a, little, just a little taste just to get everybody hyped, right? The crowd went fucking berserk, bro. Yeah. I mean, people were stage diving like crazy. I've seen like, photos from it. It looked wild. Like, did you see the uh, uh, the Gnostic Front Anthem video mm-hmm. live at CBTV? Yeah, the one from back in the day from Headringers yeah. Ball and all that. It was it was like that. Yeah. And I was just like, and I was just like, where you can't even see the band like on the yeah, stage. It's I just jumped, crazy. I jumped in and I was like, holy shit! I'm experiencing that fucking video once again. And and it was like New York hardcore in my face right there, you know? Yeah. I'll never forget that. Never. That's sick. Yeah. So was that, uh, would you say that was your highlight show of that tour, your favorite show? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Totally, yeah. man. All the videos I'd seen of, you know, the New York hardcore scene and people going fucking berserk. Bam. I lived it right there. I was like, oh, fuck. I'm here to witness that, you know? And I had to be in it too. I was like, I jumped in. I was like, I'm fucking diving right off the stage too, man. <laughs> Just because I, I needed to. Yeah. Not yeah. that I wanted to. I needed to. Do you remember what songs they played? No, <laughs> not even. Just the blur. Uh, I know they did. Friend it doesn't of the even. Fall. It doesn't even matter. But yeah, that's funny that they they, they only did two songs, and one of the songs they did is like. A minute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hardcore, but whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I, I, I remember singing a lot to Friend or Foe. Oh, you friend or foe. And I was like, oh. oh. That's rad. It was insane, bro. It was like, it was like a dream come true to me, man. Yeah. A dream come true. So was, um, was Pandemonium out at this point? Or that's before Pandemonium's out, right? Yeah, that was before. We, we had just... Um, I think were, we recorded that when we got back. Were you meeting? Were you meeting? Uh, like the you know, like Bill Wilson from Blackout or dude from uh, yeah, yeah, we like Resurrection all. or anything like yeah, that. Not, not Resurrection yet. It was more more Bill Wilson. We, we met Bill Wilson right on that on that actual trip. And uh, after after like talking to him, uh, uh, back and forth, you know, through through the phone, uh, he was like, "Oh, I'll be at the show." So. Let's talk some more, blah, blah, blah. Coolest motherfucker alive, man. That, that dude is cool as shit. And he's got so much history, man. Like with, with Breakdown, I'm like, one yeah. of my favorite bands. He drew a lot of those logos and stuff, too. A lot of people don't know yeah, that. Yeah, he drew a lot of the logos, but he not only that, but he went to every goddamn show. Yep. That they Put out those records. Like, like, yeah. I'm just like, pretty oh, wild. Bill. He's in the back of, you know, he's in the photo right in the middle of the photo of the breakdown fucking thing and i'm just like that's you bro like 
fuck. To, to be able to just fucking, you know, be a fly on the wall. Yeah. Throughout crazy. those whole tours, man. That's, That's a legendary band. Legendary band. Break, breakdown? Yeah. What's your favorite breakdown track? Uh, Distant Dismissed. Okay. Do you have a favorite? Do you guys have a favorite era of a breakdown or like Dijon era or like the demo era? Like, yeah, demo, demo era. I mean, I love it all, but to me, they're almost like the different albums is almost like different bands. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. Because obviously, uh, the demo is, you know, the whole raw deal, Killing Time Connect. And then when I think of like Plus Minus and Blacklisted, that's closer to Crown of Thorns and. Yeah, it is, Cold and, 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 stuff. and you can see the you can see the transition. All through, that's like all Mike Dijon, man. Yeah, I mean, I love them both. It's like apples and yeah. oranges, but they're yeah, both great sick. Guitar you know? player, great fucking songs he writes. Like you know, the uh, fucking goddamn dude, the Ice Pick song, the fucking. <sighs> Do you have a favorite anyway. Crown of Thorns album? Uh, yeah, I like the Train Yard Blues. It's it's raw. Definitely, I think that was raw, a demo. Yeah. But speaking of Bill Wilson, he's the one who who paid to do that, but it ended up yeah, coming exactly. out on a Equal Vision. So yeah, it bro, was supposed I, to be for Blackout. Pretty wild. Yeah, that's a great record, man. So so Bill great. was talking to you guys about doing the LP already at that point, or just kind of just kind of asking what's think, going on I with you guys. Was, Let's do something together. I think he was like throwing it in our ear you know and we were like uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know you know I was like uh, uh, I don't know that anybody wants to sign us blah 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 we were just like we're just want to fucking play party bro and then he's like no no I'm serious about putting out your record we're like well fuck let's talk and then he ended up you know he ended up uh, he, he ended up knowing I mean he knows Lars Lars Fredrickson and and uh Lars is like, you got to do it. And we're just, fuck. All right. And then he's like, if you do it, I'll produce a record. Like, well, fuck. I mean, that's a given, you know? What was that like working with Lars on that record? Fuck, dude. He's just fucking. He's, he, he already had the experience, you know? Yeah. Recording. Cause he, he's coming off of a, I guess it would have been in now come the wolves before. Yeah. Life yeah. Wait. After uh, Outcome the Wolves. Yeah, he's got all the experience. He's He doesn't have an ego. There's no fucking ego there. So he's not trying to fucking take over or rewrite your songs. You know, he's just like, yo, I'm just here to make this shit as best as it can be. Yeah. You know, because you guys have great songs. Great songs. And he's like, I just want to make them fucking sound right, put them on the record, and you guys can do whatever you guys want whatever you're you know led to do so did he add any um like musical influence or contribute any uh i don't know like play any solos on there did he do anything on the record or was he, he just he more did, of, uh, you know, he did like behind the he, soundboard he didn't want to rewrite any of the songs he just wanted to make make them better and he he contributed a couple of things to uh, to where, uh, where one some of the songs were just like, hey, you know, if you do this to this song, 
it'll make it a lot better. Like for some yeah. reason, like I feel like when I hear I should have known, I feel like there's a little bit of rancid in there. Just because it's maybe it's because yeah, it's the most melodic song on the album. I love that song. But, uh, that's actually that's actually one of the oldest songs that me and Ernie wrote. Really? Yeah, yeah. With uh, that's an old IDA song, a little castle song. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's one of the first songs me and Ernie wrote, and um, uh, I, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote that song, and I was just not because I was going through it, but I was like, I was in a relationship with the girl, and uh, uh, you know, I was like. Did you write the lyrics too? Uh, No, Ernie did that. Okay. But I helped him. I helped him with that show. We both, you know, collaborated on it. And, uh, but you came up with the music when you were uh, going through, going through a little uh, breakup or something. Yeah. We came up through the the lyrics and I was like, you know, uh, it's a heartbreak song. It's like, who doesn't have a fucking heartbreak song? You know, it's one of my favorite (laughs) hardcore love songs. Like, yeah, up there with great. like leeway who's to blame and i mean there's a couple other but others but yeah uh that's definitely one of them lovesick Dude, crown it, of thorns it, 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 definitely yeah, one yeah. of my favorite hardcore heartbreak songs for sure yeah we're, you know when we when we play this we're playing the set list uh currently and i'm like wow you can really tell you can really tell like at what age you wrote the song you could tell the progression like it, it, it's really weird to, to me it's like weird man it's like wow i was really like a kid writing this song and i could feel it you know it's like wow it brings me back every time we play the song i'm like wow it brings me back to that era where like i was a kid honestly every time i hear it it takes me back to that too like i could i can still remember being like 16 years old listening to that you know i don't know why it's a trip but yeah it's a very um that song has a very distinct vibe and it's like it's kind of atypical for a powerhouse song like i said it's just it's got a lot more melody and uh i want to say it's more sensitive you know what i mean because i i don't know how to explain but it's just like i don't know you guys are obviously like you know you're a hardcore band but not every song and not every not every mood not every feeling needs to be hard all the time you could be a little yeah, bit vulnerable, you know what I mean? And it's just like, to yeah. me, that's what it makes it that much more dope, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like a hardcore me, love song, you know? Yeah, me and Ernie would be like, this this song goes out to the ladies. The ladies, because, you know, there's ladies out there. And every time you guys play that song live, too, the energy of the show is always, like, everybody's always, you know, jumping up and down, bouncing, like, with their arms going up and down. It's almost like, like a hip-hop song or something, you know what I mean? It's just For like real. singing along, yeah. like... I don't know, just yeah. the energy for that, for that, you know, a couple minutes is, it's different than the rest of the show, you know? For real, man, it's for real. It's a whole different vibe. You know, we got our tough guy songs, we have our emo songs. I yeah, guess, no, I mean, I guess it is kind of the powerhouse emo song, but it's seriously but, one and, of my favorites. And, you know, one of my favorites. Street, and you have your street songs, but like, you don't, you don't, nobody would ever be like, oh, well, they. They sing that song. I should have known. I'm like, what? No, they don't. You know, they'd be shocked. They would be shocked if you brought that out. Yeah, like I said, but, I think I think but, it makes it that yeah. much more dope. Yeah, I mean, it was you know, it came from it came from the heart, man. It's like breakups, music, they go hand in fucking head. Yeah, I mean, I think love songs are 
that's definitely the most popular topic in all of music in any genre, but it's because it's universally like everybody can relate, you know, everybody yeah, knows what that's we. like, you know, of course. So, I mean, we might, Everyone. we might be, uh, you know, jumping off the stage and like swinging our arms around and getting into fist fights and all this other stuff, but that doesn't mean that, you know, we don't have feelings, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you know, that we're not, you know, we don't get bummed when a girl breaks our heart. So for real, yeah. bro. it's real. So, um, so going back to the writing, um, who, who was the main, I mean, not main, obviously you guys are a band, you're all contributing. Everybody's got a role to play in the band, but from the songwriting perspective, who, who was kind of the, the person bringing the ideas to the table? Uh, a lot and, of times it would be, a lot of times it would be Ernie. A lot of times it would be me. Um, and what and what were the main influences behind that? Like, what kind of bands were you guys each listening to um, that were inspiring those riffs? Because you have a certain playing style, and Ernie has a certain playing style, and I don't think it could be uh, overstated enough how what a talented bass player Ernie was. You know, oh, totally, man. Totally. Like when I listen to you guys, like he almost has this like. I mean, I can't say, you know, Matt Freeman, like Rancid, obviously that's kind of a crazy comparison, but Ernie plays these like walking bass lines to where he's, he's doing a lot and he's got this very percussive right hand to where I don't want to compare him to another bass player that I'm sure you're not a fan of, <laughs> right. but a very, a very well-known hardcore bass player who, who is in a very big band who also plays drums. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, but he's got that percussive right hand, like it's kind of that bad brains kind of like I don't know how to explain it, but Ernie had that style, you know, and uh, just an amazing, just super talented bass player. So uh, it was just. Uh, could you speak to some of like who some of his musical influences were? Man, that that guy listened to everything. Man, he listened to from. You know, oldies to soul to fucking rock and roll to, you know, heart punk. I mean, that guy listened to everything, and I think he pieced it all together to make it uh, his genuine sound, man. And it was like, it was like, he's really, he's very hard to replace, very hard to replace, which, which is, uh, which is why, you know, I think it took us 18 years to, not to, not to find Casey, but I think to finally say, oh, you know what, we're we're not over this, we're not over this, but we're gonna we're gonna continue the tradition because Ernie would have liked this, you know. Yeah, uh, I think he's he's probably fucking pissed as fuck right now because we waited so fucking long, <laughs> and, uh, and and honestly, like. I I had to keep playing, man. I had to keep playing music. Uh, Chris Chris was the one who was like, you know, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And we we respected that, you know. We respect that. Yeah. If you get her, you know, his his response was, you know, hey, if if you get Ernie on the stage, I'll play a show. And that was impossible. It was impossible to do. Yeah. Um, but but Ernie's bass fucking technique was just gelled from everything bro he 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 learned to play you know like i said oldies rock and roll punk rock hardcore like 
He was a big. I think he was a big Bad Brains fucking fan. Yeah, def- I could definitely hear bro. Bad Brains in there, and like probably even like the Who or something. Like I don't even know. Like he, he, he plays with such like power and speed. And, yeah, but he's not just playing the root note. You know what I mean? No. Some bass players just kind of do the dun 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 dun. dun. I'm not gonna sit right. here and do that, but right. you know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. like a band practice yeah. thing. Like, <laughs> but yeah, he yeah. he's he's really going. He's up and down the neck of the bass. Like yeah. his fingers All are moving. Way. Like he's playing hard. He's playing fast. Yeah. Like yeah. he was a really talented. Yeah, he, he had a groove and he had meaning. You know, like grease. Because <laughs> grease is the word, bro. If I'm being honest, I know Ernie's always, you know, he's always spoken, and rest in peace, you know, he's always spoken about in such high regard with such respect, but I, I don't think the emphasis is on his playing ability as right. much as his personality and just kind of his right. his energy and um, just his larger-than-life persona kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you, you, you got it because, you know, he was an, he was an intimidator. Yeah, well, he was just—he was just a very recognizable person, you know. Recognizable, intimidator, uh, strong but, personality, and that overshadowed his bass playing. Exactly, exactly. Like, because I think, really, like, I mean, speaking for myself as a drummer, you know, like being able to lock in with a bass player, and just to really have a solid rhythm section, you know, that's a yeah. special thing. Just to be able to just lock in and just establish that groove and personally i would love to be able to play with somebody like that who's on that level or of that caliber of a musician you know and and i just think that that's something that just kind of like i said in the conversation of ernie you know rest in peace uh it just kind of seems to get overshadowed just because again he he was such a larger than life person for sure man and it's it's not easy when you have you know multiple drum players we've had uh, three or four drum players um, and every every drum player it plays different, and Ernie's ability to adjust to that and make the, not just the drums better, but the bass playing better. You know, it, it's a whole talent in itself, man. Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, like for example, you guys had Jay, and yeah, Jay his, had some crazy ass beats. Man. Yeah, his style, um, and again, I'm saying this as a drummer, his style is wild you know and the way that he's playing fast parts like it's sick but he's not playing traditional fast parts you know not at all and he's playing he's using a double bass pedal right yeah and he's he's using both feet instead of just like playing on a single kick like you know like we said bad brains like the way that you know you'd play on the single kick with your right foot you know yeah but uh i mean it's a sick style but it's it's j style you know what i mean it's like Style. Yeah, like I know, like I've heard people call it the cheat beat, you know, but yeah. for some reason when Jay does it, it doesn't seem like a cheat beat. And just because he's such no. a big dude, he's such a savage, like, I don't know, like <laughs> he plays so hard and fast. Like, it's like there's other dudes that do it that it just, they seem like they're corner cutting, you know, yeah, but with it, Jay, it was like, no, this is my style. You know what I mean? For some reason, he made, yeah, he made a gel. It's like, we're just, we're playing with you, bro. We're like, they, you. it was your, it, it was like your guys sound like, there's other bands like that. Like I'd say almost like, I think face value kind of has that too. Cause they have yeah, a drummer yeah, that sure. kind of like doesn't play quote unquote proper fast parts, but it's like a face value fast part. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. Face value is a great fucking band. Too, yeah. T- totally. Totally. Underrated. 
They so, played they played with the Press Logic and us over at uh, Cocodry. I don't know if you remember that. Oh no shit. What year was that? Oh god, 97. Yeah, I don't think I was yeah. at that one. I was definitely going Coke, to Press yeah, Logic shows at that time, but I don't think I was at that one. Yeah, Cocodry Face Value us. Oh man, we were like, "Whoa, you guys fucking came out." I didn't even know Face Value was playing at that time. That's wild. Yeah. It was crazy. It was, it was like a, a second or third singer, but they sounded like I was like, "Whoa!" Well, they had a whole. It was like a new record called "No Choices" or something like that. Really good, really good record. You said that was ninety-seven ish. Yeah, ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Right on. So yeah. that's um, that's around the time that. Uh, not to jump back, sorry, but uh, yeah, um, no regrets. Yeah, that, that was yeah, that was the year that No Regrets. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought for a second. That was the year No Regrets came out, and yeah, sure. um, Blackout dropped that, and you guys had Lars produce it. And yeah. how did that how did that record do? Like you guys, you guys got really active, like touring at that time. Or, yeah, like, we tour. We we went everywhere with that, bro. East Coast, West Coast. You guys went to down. you guys went to Europe, right? We went to Europe. Uh, that first one was with uh, Agnostic Front, actually. Yeah. And uh, was Ignite on that one, or it was that later? No, no, no. Ignite was uh, 2000, 2001. Oh, okay. That was the uh, that was the uh, Vans Club tour in Europe. Right, that I remember. Like, now. That was like that was like six or seven weeks, man. Yeah. But the ninety the ninety eight tour was with AF. How was that? Something's got to go. Oh, something's got to give that tour. How was that? Ah. T- how was that tour? Bro, we played five weeks with Knock Your Front, man. <laughs> Dream come true. <laughs> Bro. You're like pinch me. But not only were they friends, but like we have to we got to watch them play like every fucking night then man. For five weeks, bro. It never got you know, it never got never got old. Yeah, you didn't get sick of it. Vinny Stigma was Vinny Stigma but different every day. It's like you you never knew what to expect from Vinny, man. <laughs> But to see him and then hit him and Roger, man, it was like, you know, fucking crazy, bro. I, I'll never forget that shit. Like, <clears throat> I got to see the world because, you know, they were like, yeah, you guys should come play with us. Okay. Done. <laughs> it was a no-brainer, you know? Yeah. Do you ever... If anybody, if anybody said, no, I can't do it, we were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. That's so sick that yeah. you guys got to go over there for the first time with them. I mean, a band that you've yeah, like yeah, grown up listening to, and then also coincidentally, the band your first time on the East Coast. You know, yeah, you got to see yeah. the reunion and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly, bro. It was like, it just came together like that, and uh, I'm forever grateful for that because you know it's not, you know, Roger and AF totally looked out for us, man. They were just. We were riding their coattails. It's just the way they were. They were like, we support up and coming bands. Yeah. We're, we don't, you know, we don't expect you to kiss our ass or nothing like that. They were just like, hey, you know, we know where you're coming from. Come play with us. And yeah. we were like, fuck yeah. Total dream come true. You get to party on a bus with fucking Vinny every night, bro. Every night. And Vinny's got something crazy coming every night. You're just like, you never forget the shit. 
and I, and I'll never forget it. I'm forever grateful for that shit, bro. I got to see fucking you know Europe on, on the label's dime. I didn't come back with any money, but but just to hardcore. have the experience, yeah. It's hardcore, Do, like, does it trip you out to think about that sometimes? Just being a kid, you know, born in Mexico, coming to the states and growing up in Oakland, you know, big family, humble beginnings, and starting yeah, this band, cool. and you got to, you know, through this music, you got to travel and you got to see things that. I mean, most people, regular people, work their whole life, retire, just, and they're like, "I'm going to go on a cruise. I'm going to go on a vacation. I'm going to go to, you know, just whatever." To, just to go for a week, yeah, two weeks, three weeks tops, right? And they not only are you got them. you guys getting to go, you guys are getting to share your music yeah, on that side of the world, you know, yeah. to kids yeah. like for for other kids like you, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. When I first when I first met Ernie, he was just floating around. You know, I was in a gang, uh, 36 Locos, and I was like 83. That was 83. And like by 80, I was hanging out with these guys day in, day out, up until 88, which is when I met Ernie. And he decided, no, I met Ernie earlier, but when he decided to run, start a band was like an 88. <clears throat> but if, if not, if it hadn't been for that actual episode, I would have still been probably if not dead probably just hanging out on the avenue with the fellas um, yeah just sip, just sipping on a 40 like the old days sipping on a 40 sharing it with my folks yeah but if ernie hadn't come around and said hey i'm starting a band man. yo i play that shit let's fucking do it and to to be able to say yeah i fucking played punk rock for this kid uh, and he played that shit for me. And, and if you had said, oh, well, you guys are going to see the world. You guys are going to sell out a sh two shows at the Parkside. I would have fucking never fucking been like, whatever. Yeah, we're jumping forward, but I want to touch on that. I'm hyped for those Parkside, parkside shows. Are you hyped? Dude, I... I'm fucking pumped for those, bro. We got we got a really good band opening playing. It's gonna be a banger. Uh, actually, They're both yeah, gonna be I, bangers. You know, you know, I actually worry about this shit. Like I'm like, these guys are gonna fucking smoke us. <laughs> we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be the headliners, and there's gonna be like 50 people there. <laughs> you guys are playing with good bands, but I mean, yeah. I think I think it's gonna be. It's just gonna, it's gonna be dope. I don't want to spend yes. too much time. Like you brought it up, but like I didn't want to jump forward too far because obviously we're not done yet. But uh, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. I just I had to throw it in there. Like I'm I'm hyped for those shows. I can't wait. And obviously, it's uh it's course, you know the bro. anniversary of of Ernie more or less. It's you know a couple of days later. Yeah, yeah. But it, um, it like, uh, I don't think it could have worked out any perfect. It's very yeah. It's it's uh per it's perfect. You know, it's perfect. Yeah, but but like yeah, I was just jumping. Ahead, saying you know, I I never would have thought this shit would have happened. Yeah, it's, it's if dope. Ernie walked up to me and said, "Hey, we're gonna sell out some shows in twenty, thirty years, whatever, bro. Hey, I'm, we're gonna go to Europe." Just like, thinking like, that the the band managed to you know exist in so many different eras of hardcore, you know, yeah. and like over, hey, you know, hey, we're gonna go to Japan, whatever, bro. I don't know. I just want to fucking party. I want to play. I want to have. I want to let kids have fun. Bam, that's it. It doesn't matter where it happens. 
How was Japan? Fuck, bro. It was the best, bro. I heard that ba- bands uh, from the States back then, when they go to Japan, they get treated like rock stars. Dude, it's a, it was amazing, bro. Every night we had like uh, crazy fucking dinners, like 20, 30 people having dinner with us. And we're just like, we're just here to eat the food and drink the beer and sake, bro. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got, uh, I got pretty shit faced over in, uh, Shimokitazawa, which is like the outskirts of Tokyo. <clears throat> like they kept, you know, they're like, no, no, you don't pour. We pour for you. And I was like, okay, whatever. Pouring me beers, beers. And all of a sudden the beer ran out and it turned into sake. And I was drinking it. I didn't know. I had no idea. I had no idea. And, uh, and and at the end of the night, I was like, we we had caught a cab or something. I was like, I told the cab driver, I was like, take me to Oakland, <laughs> take me to Oakland. <laughs> I was so wasted, bro. And, was, and they were just like, they had to carry me into the car. Like, Yo, we can't take you to Oakland, bro. <laughs> Chris was like, y'all, we can't take you to Oakland, bro. <laughs> but I wanted to go to Oakland. I was like, I don't care if I could go all the way across the fucking pond. Is this the same tri- trip that um, Ernie didn't want to go because it was his birthday? Yeah, and bro. He, he didn't want to spend uh, his birthday in Japan, but then he figured no. out. He am I no. right? Yeah, bro. He he fought so hard. He he gave Chris a hard time like every goddamn night, bro. Yeah, I heard Chris for, tell the like story on weeks. another podcast for like and, six weeks, and then you know I I finally was like, yo, bro, if you really think about it, when we leave. On November 4th, November 3rd, we get back November 3rd, and it's still your birthday. So you're yeah. going to party in Japan. You get two. <laughs> and then you're going to land back in Oakland, and it's your birthday at dawn. And he was like, fuck yeah. And I was like, that's never going to happen in anybody's fucking lifetime. For real. Nobody's fucking lifetime. Celebrating your birthday multiple times in multiple time zones in multiple countries. 24 hours. (laughs) 48 hours. Who gets a birthday 48 hours? That's so funny. Yeah. But he he was just looking pissed, angry. Fuck this. Fuck that. I'm not going. And they were like, bro, you get to spend two birthdays, though. One there and one here. Hello. And he was like, oh, fuck yeah. And then he was like super happy. Fuck. Yeah. We had to deal with that shit. You guys didn't. That's hilarious. It was still fun. It was still fun. You know, the guy was angry. Whatever, man. He's a fun dude, no matter what. <laughs> so, with this, uh, speaking of Oakland and Ernie, would this have been around the time that he was doing Bomb Shelter? Yeah, yeah, Bomb Shelter, you know, <clears throat> him and Chris decided, like, you know, we got this tattoo shop, why don't we just, we know all these people, we can get pretty much any band now, like, they know us, let's open up this fucking club, and, and, and I was like, I'll do you remember what year, it was 97, right, I think? 97, yeah, 97, and, and I was like, bro, I'll help, like, build the shit, whatever you guys need, man, I used at that point, I think I was working for, uh, I was working for, uh, 
building supply company. And I was like, I'll bring you guys all the material, man. Just let me know. Fucking whatever you need. I'll bring it. Drop it off. Nobody will give a fuck, right? Yeah, yeah. We're going to need this. We're going to need that. We're going to need this to build the stage. Cool. I dropped it off. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it ended up. You know, being a pretty good spot for bands to fucking play and see, and for kids to come and hang out, man. Uh, there was, there was, there weren't any rules except for you know, don't be a fucking Nazi scumbag. Yeah, so. you guys were kind of at the time like Gilman wasn't super receptive to hardcore, right? Right. So you guys kind of decided to do that almost as a reaction to not really having a home base for shows. Yeah, they you know they were being jerks to not just us but other bands and just like, oh, these kind of the climate of the scene at the time. Like yeah, the bay was, like, was a little bit more violent. The hardcore scene was a little bit more violent, and the punk scene was right. a little bit more PC. So yeah, I don't, I don't I don't think they wanted any more violence around the the vicinity of Gilman. So we were like, fuck it. We're just fucking open up, you know, bomb shelter or our own club, I guess. And, uh, uh, Chris and Ernie had, you know, mostly, most of the stuff to do with that, but <clears throat> people, people donated, people, you know, gave funds. And, um, I know Lars, Lars is a big contributor to that. And he's like, I want you guys to have this. And, you know, it's for the kids, you know. You're doing it for the kids. You're not doing it for yourself. We're not doing it for us. We just wanted people to come, uh, you know, come ha- a safe safe zone, so that they could see their favorite bands. And, yeah. Well, safe as uh, you could be out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it, it was hood, you know. It was the hood. <laughs> it was really hood. Uh. But you know, we looked out. We looked out for people. Uh, no, nobody got harassed or anything like that. That, but you know, unless you had a bunch of dickheads that came by, came by and they got handled. Yeah. Do you have any? Uh, there, oh, go ahead. Yeah, there was zero tolerance for bullshit there. You know, it's like, hey, respect the club, you'll get respected. Disrespect it, you get beat down. It was that simple. Yeah. That, well, I mean, that's always kind of been, I don't know. That's just always like, I mean, I think in general, it's just better to connect yourself with respect and just to be, you know, pleased and thank you and polite. But that's one thing that I can always say growing up around here, growing up in the Bay that you guys have always carried yourself like that. Just cool dudes, nice guys, friendly guys, but don't fuck around. (laughs) Don't disrespect. Don't cross the boundary, you know? Yeah, we we never, you know, we were we were friends. We fucking hung out with a bunch of friends, and uh, we never went out looking for shit. Like yeah. we didn't start shit. But you don't but, you don't suffer bullshit but, either. Yeah, but we you know we we'd hang out, we'd have we have our fun, and if somebody stepped us wrong, then they got served. Uh, that was just our motto, like yo. We're, we're cool, we're hanging out, but if you step those wrong, you're going to get fucking dealt with. And to be fair, the Bay was a lot different back then. It was a lot more rough and rugged, as we said, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we we handled we handled shit that uh, had to be handled. 
when it came to, you know, knuckleheads, boneheads, all that shit. It was like, is that there's no there was no room for that shit, right? You know. Yeah, is that something maybe we can touch on for a second? Like maybe some of the like the white supremacist stuff in the Bay Area, or what that yeah, was like bro. back then, and maybe being being Hispanic kid coming up, um, going to shows. Obviously, you and Ernie both, and some of the other guys in the crew. You know, yes, um, yeah. what was that like? You know, because obviously, yeah, obviously. Uh, back then there was a lot of shit that a lot of people looked the other way, and um, the water was just a lot murkier. I think with politics and some racial yeah. stuff and what was tolerated and what was accepted. And I think maybe certain people's affiliations or even kind of not people, not even knowing necessarily where they stood on shit and kind of what they're putting out into the world. You know, there was just some real ignorant shit that used to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, like people yeah, doing yeah. things to be offensive and stuff like that, but not necessarily knowing what they're doing or what's behind it, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, you know, me being a, person of color and Ernie being fucking a person of Mexicans. Yeah, we were both Mexicans. So, and Chris was like, you you guys are my brothers. So I'll have I'll have your back for whatever. And that was that was, you know, the motto for like everywhere we went. I got your back, bro. I got your back. And same thing, you know, with whatever. But every city we went to we had friends and they were like, we got your back if anybody fucks with you guys. And I was like, okay, I mean, that's that's cool. We can handle our shit, but it's also great that you're you're on our side, you know. Because there's a lot of motherfuckers that that will always they're always going to test you, you know. And uh, I remember me and Ernie talking before before we actually started touring, and like, not not just the Bay Area, but like out of state up the coast and he's like yo there's gonna be motherfuckers that want to test us just because of who we are bro and uh i was me and him were like you know just just know that uh if that shit happens and somebody steps to you i'm gonna be right there and he's like exactly same shit with you if anybody fucks with you i'm gonna be right there and a lot of the times, you know, it never even got to that point where where we felt intimidated. We were just like, Get, we can scrap. That's what we do. We, we fucking, we're from the streets, bro. Like, we're really from the streets. Yeah, so. you guys just grew up like that. Yeah, we grew up. Not a, it was mostly gang stuff. It, was, it wasn't like, you know, oh, we're going to fight these Nazis. It was like, we had to fight other gangs. Like, So we learned to handle our own shit. When it, when it came to this, you know, Nazi scumbag shit, we would just handle it. Like, oh, this guy is fucking saluting to people, and bam, he would handle, you know. So you guys were growing up in the neighborhoods that you guys were growing up in were like northerner neighborhoods or border brother neighborhoods or? Yeah, border brother, just, you know, Oakland. Um we had the VOL crew, which was up the up the hill on 35th and MacArthur. And uh, we were down, you know, the lower near international. But everywhere we went, you know, motherfuckers would try to stab us, shoot us with the gun, or put, you know, put their guns out and show it at us. And we're just like, what the fuck are you going to do? Like, 
use it or fucking lose it, you know? And, uh, and, uh, yeah, it was just like, you have to fend for yourself, man. It was like, you, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't call the cops. It's like the cops ain't gonna do shit. Yeah. So we dealt with the ship mostly ourselves, man. Well, I mean, growing up in East Oakland in the eighties is no joke, you know? No, it was not. I don't think most people listening, you know, to this podcast could probably comprehend exactly what that means or entails, but no, no. I mean, you couldn't walk anywhere any time of the day. It was one of the most dangerous parts, you know, in the country at that time, you know? So, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And you guys obviously, I mean, and not that you guys were tough guys or troublemakers, but you know, again, you guys have always struck me as nice guys, but just guys that don't take shit. But obviously, some yeah, of that mentality yeah. came over, uh, you know, from your upbringing into into the scene or into the hardcore scene. You know, it's something that you carry with you because that's who you are. You know, it's not. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. kids like you know they they listen to these bands and they're like you know fan of these quote unquote tough guy bands, you know, or beat down bands or whatever, and they think that you know, they got it twisted, but they're not hard. You know, these kids aren't no, hard and they're not fighting anybody. They don't know what it's like to grow up in certain circumstances, no. you know, but you guys really actually came from that and it wasn't an act. And, you know, on the, you know, conversely or on the contrary, you guys were more, you were more into wanting to have fun and have yeah, a good yeah. time and kick it and just be with your boys because that's what you came from. You know what I mean? Oh, like, <laughs> so, yeah. If anything, that's, that's we, the last resort, you know? That's how, yeah, that's how we created a lot of bonds, a lot of friendships with, you know, people from all over, bro. It's like, they respect that. They don't, they don't respect somebody that's going to come in and be like, oh, I'm a tough guy. Fucking yeah, me. for sure. I mean, you know, I think like, when. Yo, we just want to barbecue. We want to eat. We want to party. We want to fucking enjoy ourselves. We want to make friends, man. I mean, I think when you you come up a certain type of way, you just, you know what it is and you know how to carry yourself and you know how to treat people with respect. And it's just a basic do unto others. And you know, you know how you want to be spoken to. So you're going to speak to people that way. And unless somebody crosses the boundary, there's no reason for bullshit, you know, because most of us just want to, we just want to, you know, we just want to barbecue and chill and drink a 40 with our friends or whatever it is, you know, just have a good time, have fun, not worry about bullshit, you know? For sure. For sure. Just friends, man. We want to make friends. We don't want to look for enemies. When they come at us wrong, then you're the enemy. You know what I mean? Do you guys think that maybe because of the crew, you guys developed a reputation that was kind of hard to, uh, hard to get away from at a certain point? Nah, 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 I don't think so. Fuck, everybody knows that we just want to have fun, hang out. But obviously, Uh, like, like, I mean, stuff like, you know, like Gilman or whoever, maybe there were certain places that were weary of you guys because of the rep. But, I mean, you know that you're just trying to have a good time, you know, but... Yeah, totally, totally, totally. But other people might have been scared or intimidated of this or that yeah just skeptical yeah we get it i mean like gilman didn't give us any love for a while like 
I think you guys got over that hurdle eventually because you, I mean, the later, the last stuff that Doomsday did was at Gilman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all the reunions were at Gilman. Yeah. And I I tell you, we went through a phase where, uh, you know, I mean, Gilman wasn't giving anybody love. It wasn't just powerhouse. Yeah, it was just like the whole hardcore scene. But. But then, but then, like you know, we 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 ended up playing shows with Second Coming, Redemption at, at Gilman, and those were some of the best shows you know we've ever had. A, there was tons of people. A, we sold you know. B, we sold a bunch of merch, and uh, C, you know, everybody kind of like gathered and uh, they had a blast. And and I through those couple of shows, like with us and second coming and redemption, uh, Gilman's kind of like, um, they kind of let loose a little, let loose a little bit. Like, Oh yeah. When you guys did the thing, it was you guys, redemption and rely. You mean it's like 2004, like right before Ernie. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. That was a, that was a great weekend. You guys did that. Um, you did the Gilman show. I think that was a Sunday matinee. And then you did the Saturday, uh, the pound. That was, that was a dope weekend, but unfortunately that was the last weekend that you guys played, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, fuck. Nobody knows what the fuck's going to happen. That, you know, that's why we wrote that song. Like what lies ahead? Yeah. We actually, not to, not to be disrespectful because it's something I want to, you know, speak about delicately, but uh, we we skip past the album. Do you want to come back to the album and talk about Ernie, or you want to talk about the album and then talk about Ernie? What do you want to do? Yeah, I want to talk about both. Um, but yeah, that weekend was unfortunately the last, the last time that you guys would would be on stage together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that seemed like it happened like pretty pretty sudden. Um, had you guys weren't aware that he was that he was ill. Uh, he didn't tell me at all, like for a while. Um, he ended up, he ended up telling Chris, um, first, like, he's like, yo, man, I, I got, I got this thing, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's spreading. And, and, uh, he, I mean, he told Chris, he's like, yo, like, they're giving me like three months or something. And it ended up being longer, but, you know, Chris was like, what the fuck, you know? But have you told Eddie? And he's like, no, I haven't told him. Well, you got to tell him, bro. You got to tell him. And he didn't tell me for another month or two later. And I could see it. You know, I could see his his, phys, his physique was different. His attitude was different. Um, but he didn't tell me, you know, at first, first I was like, yo, bro, I, I'm, I've, like I really want you to be in my wedding. You're my best man. Like I gotta have you be my best man. And he was skeptical because he knew he had, uh, you know, he had this disease that he couldn't fucking shake. Yeah. And uh, and he he told me he's like, all right, I'll be in the wedding. But he still didn't tell me that he was like terminally ill. Um, then, then Chris is like, you he, he's got to tell you, he's got to tell you. And I'm like, tell me what? And he's like, yo, I got stomach cancer. I don't have much to live. And 
I was like, well, fuck, you don't have to be in my wedding for this shit. Don't feel like obligated. But he's like, no, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, man. Because, you know, we're fucking brothers. And um, I I had a rough time. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I've known the dude for fucking ever. And he, um, I, I went into denial. I was like, there's no way. That's fucking impossible, man. And uh, I hung out with him a bunch of times. And then I and I stopped because I, I he was he was uh, you know he was he was hurting and I I did not want to see him that way man and that's not how I want to remember him either you know um, like in the last days that deathbed or whatever um, but I respected him and he went out you know like a soldier on his own and. It was tough. It was tough to swallow. I'm glad he actually, you know, came up and told me, and finally actually told me that, you know, he was he was dying. But it's like it's still not a easy thing to take. Not, you know, growing up with him, traveling the world with him, seeing him on stage, many a stage, like you know, to your left. He's he's always on my left. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I was like, bro, I mean, if there's anything I can do, you know, I'll do it. But he he didn't want to go out like that either. He's like, yo, I'm going to just take my shit as it goes. That's it. You know, he ended up passing away in December 2004, which is goddamn almost 18, 18 years 17 years. Uh, and, and me and Chris were just talking about it, you know, yesterday. We're like, holy shit, it's already been 17 fucking years. Like, yeah, that's almost half our lives. Like, not really, but, you know. No, I mean, it definitely, I, I remember, you know, I remember when it happened, but um, it, the time flew by, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's and, and you know I we honor him as much as we can now that we're alive, bro. Yeah. And 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 like like I said, I, I had I had no problem playing um, playing music, but Chris Chris really had a problem, and he's like, I can't do it, man. I just can't do it. And then you know, four or five years ago, he's like, Fuck it, I'm gonna do it. And then and it didn't didn't end up happening. Uh, for whatever reason, but then Walter came back and we got the shit together, <clears throat> and and we real we all realized we're like, hey, this is this is really just to um, honor his memory and keep it going. Definitely, because you know, because if, if we stopped and we didn't do anything, his memory would fade, and we didn't want that. Like we just we're gonna keep playing, writing music. Honor his fucking name. To honor people will be like, ah, this is fucking Ernie's band. That's right. You know? And and we're not egomaniacs like that where we're like, fuck that. It was not his band, it was our band. No, it was his fucking band. We're here to fucking keep the torch and keep it going. You know? No, absolutely. I think and um I think it's the perfect way to honor your friend. 
is to keep the songs alive and um, to keep getting up there on stage and doing it. And to, you know, like I said before, the timing of, of the weekend and the, the shows on the November 6th and 7th, obviously it's not, you know, the same exact day, but it's the week of. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, I mean, it's a very... Um, it's very poetic, you know. It's like a, it's yeah. a beautiful thing, you know. I think it's it's a it's a fitting tribute to a dude that obviously his role, you know, in you know, I'm sure and I mean I'm I can't, you know, I'm not speaking for you obviously, so I apologize, but I'm I'm guessing his role in your life, his you know, friendship, the role in the band, the crew, the scene and everything, you know what I mean? It it can't be Yeah. It can't yeah. be understated, you know. Ernie was just such a big part of the of the Barry hardcore scene in general, you yeah, know. Yeah, for sure. And even sure. you know, for guys like me, guys half you know half his age, you know, it's like we guys like us, we all grew up, you know, looking up to him. You know what yeah, I mean? Man. And and I, and all of you guys, you know, coming I to grew, see. I grew up with the dude, man. I grew up like you know through my freaking since I was like thirteen or fourteen, man. So I went through all that shit with him, like. You know, meeting girls, and he'd be like, he's a year older, so he's like, oh, you got to do this. I'm like, what? Shut up, bro. So, I mean, we, you know, this we for went through formative, our formative friendship years. Yeah, we went through our teens, and he taught me shit, and I taught him shit, and man, we molded each other, bro. And then, so now, now that he's gone, it's like, that's how it is, bro. Yeah, we just fucking. <laughs> And we're just here to honor his fucking memory, man. At, at every point, you know, we're not doing it for us. We're doing it for him. We're doing it to carry on his fucking memory, man. And we're going to keep doing it for as long as we can. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, as a, like I said, as a fan of the band, I'm excited just to see you guys play again and just to, you know, just to see you guys up there. But, you know, I really do honestly think it's like, it's a fitting tribute, you know? So, yeah. and I think he would probably be, he would probably appreciate it. And you guys got, I mean, there's no replacing Ernie. There's no way around that, you know, no, no, no replacement, no such word. You know what I mean? But, uh, you, you, you found a really talented dude to play those songs, you know, in Casey. Yeah, yeah. So Casey's, yeah. uh, uh, more than, uh, you know, more than adequate bass player. You know, he's a really talented dude. He's been in a ton of bands. He's got chops and he can play. So it'll be uh it'll be really cool and interesting to see you guys up there doing yeah. it again, you know, for, for Ernie and in his memory, you know? Yeah, for sure, bro. For sure. We're all excited, man. So I know we kind of skipped past it and sorry to uh Sorry to jump around, but the What Lies Ahead album. Um, yeah. You guys did that, what year was that? About 2000? Uh, 99, 2000, yeah. And that was on Resurrection AD, right? Resurrection AD, yeah. We had full support with uh, AJ. And um, yeah, he put it out and we toured. Um. We, we tried to support it as much as possible and we had some good times we did uh, numerous US tours numerous uh, uh, actually not numerous but European tour we did our European tour following that to support yeah, that that was when you were over there with Ignite you were saying 
Yeah, yeah, we did the ignite. It was and you guys awesome. were on a bus that time too, right? Yeah, we had a double decker. Pretty bro. cool. It was awesome. Yeah, it was uh, ignite. They had their own bus. It was ignite us, um, SNFU. Oh wow! Uh, Deviates from uh, South Bay, uh, LA area, and Venerio, uh, Swedish band, and uh, we fucking grew. You know, we we did six weeks straight with those guys, and we just became a family, bro. It's, you know, it was awesome. It was good times. Yeah, that's we, we hit a lot of we hit we hit a lot of uh, places in Europe where we didn't uh, hit with AF in '98. So different parts of Europe, it was cool. How were you guys yeah. rec- received over there? Like, how did the yeah. European fans get into you guys? Well, they had, they had heard us like you know just from uh, the mail order and stuff, uh, the PO box that we had back in the day, um, and then we did the tour with AF and. A bunch of people came out for that and were like, wow. Because the record was out at that point, right? Yeah. Like, no yeah. Regrets was available. Like, they yeah, could No get Regrets it. was available. That was already out, so we had support from that. And What Lies Ahead was, you know, a whole, whole, whole other entity. And, uh, uh, you know, people already knew the songs. They knew the lyrics. They knew the words. Uh, it was crazy, man. Europe is such a different fucking place from... In the states, man, you get more support over there, I believe, than than out here. Yeah, hardcore uh, is really loved and appreciated over there on much more yeah. of a mainstream level. Yeah, and and it, and it might be different now because of social media, I think, because you know. But but no matter what, man, when you go to Europe, you're it's a whole whole nother level, whole nother level. You yeah. get treated better. You get whatever you know it's just different it's just different. i mean they have those cra- crazy festivals and like i mean those things look like woodstock you know coachella yeah. you know like it's it's wild yeah. every, every weekend they have a festival like that it's crazy yeah, bro. yeah and, like and, hardcore bands and, and, playing to a hundred thousand people it's it's crazy yeah. bro it's we played, rad though we played, we played uh i think it was belgium we played a, a festival in belgium um and we were on like at 10.30 a.m., bro, and the place was packed. Packed. And we weren't even the first band. We were like the second or third band. But there were people just partying, having a good time, enjoying shit, you know? And like we, we got up right on the bus. We went straight to the stage, man. And Ernie was like, oh, you guys ready for some hardcore for breakfast? <laughs> and, and like half the crowd was already passed the fuck out bro it was like crazy bro but once we everybody magically jumped up and started having a good time insane bro insane that's dope yeah so spe- yeah. so you said uh the shows there are on another level speaking of another level what lies ahead sonically that album is like I don't want to say a crazy departure for Powerhouse because, I mean, it's like, how do I say this? It's like the most Powerhouse powerhouse album. Does that make sense? It's like you guys are fully <laughs> fully yourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't yeah, know. Like, yeah. But when I listen to that album, like, like, I don't know. I hear crazy influences on there. Like, I hear some, like, Super Touch and Underdog and Bad Brains and just, like, weird, like, 
like what were you guys listening to when you guys were working on those songs because there's a lot of melodic stuff on there there's some slower stuff on there like it's just like but then the songs that the breakdowns are harder the fast songs are faster you know what i mean the production is so tight and solid it's an amazing record you know i wish yeah i like i love that record i wish it was on streaming i wish i mean i still i still have the disc but you know it's just not convenient for me to insert a cd into my phone but (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh but yeah i mean that that album is just like um i mean don't get me wrong like i mean i don't want to compare them but like they're each their own thing i love no regrets i love what lies ahead but what lies ahead you guys really you there's an evolution you know that happened within the band in those couple years and you guys started like exploring different sounds and different I mean, just the guitars, there's different textures. You're using like effects pedals and things. Like what yeah. was the inspiration and the uh the influence for for that era of the band? Man, we uh when Ernie lived over on Jefferson, over by uh Seventh Street, uh you know, we 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 were practicing in his living room and uh after a par- a night of partying, we just jump on this fucking drum set or uh, get together and just be like, hey, let's write a fucking song. And it, it all, depending on how we felt, like, you know, oh, some shit happened, oh, something didn't happen, whatever. We would go in there and just fucking randomly just, write just a song. jam, like, just to get yeah, that vibe. Yeah, that, so, that, that album, like, now that you're saying it, it then makes perfect sense to me. You know, it's like it definitely kind of has like a jam vibe, you know? Yeah, we just, I think we mo- most of the time we were just hanging out in this living room partying, bro. And then, uh, or come back from a show or something or hang out at somebody else's fucking party or go see, whatever. Then we would get back and then, you know, he had, he didn't have any neighbors. So we were just, we could just practice whenever. And, uh, we just fucking wrote from whatever we felt at the time, man. Then, you know, it was nothing like directly influencing us or nothing, but I mean, you know, you, you could feel it. You, you could see like the previous influences, you know, like, man, we're big Bad Brain fans. No problem with that, you know. Yeah. Um, Mabaw, I mean, Mabaw influenced us even just, just from the previous tour, like. It's crazy, man. We just, we just wanted to do and write what was in our heart and share it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about Powerhouse is like, there's so many bands in the scene that do this kind of paint-by-numbers thing. So where they're like, oh, I want to do a band that sounds like blah, blah, blah. I want to do a band that sounds like this band, you know? There is nobody that sounds like Powerhouse. Like, nobody. Like, you guys obviously, you know, you borrow from different influences, New York Hardcore, you know, you have the thrash influences, you have some punk influence. There's a little bit of everything, but you guys totally sound like uniquely your own. You know, there's not yeah. another band that I can think of that sounds like Powerhouse, like at all. Like I hear little bits of Agnostic Front or Madball or Raw Deal yeah. or whatever, you know, but I can't say that you guys sound like Madball or Agnostic Front or Raw Deal because no, you no, don't, no. you know, you just, we don't. you no, sound no, like Powerhouse, you know, and yeah. And somehow Powerhouse sounds like the Bay, you know? And it's like, I don't even, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, 
I don't know. It's you guys were our flagship band for. I mean, you see you then and now, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 wild. I mean, I yeah, don't know. we just just. Yeah, we I, I wish I could ask you what the secret recipe is, but I don't think there really is one. You know. Jink, 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 jink. That's it. <laughs> chugga chuggas, bro. <laughs> I, I, personally, myself, like I play all the like I read a lot and of some score and some scorpions riffs, right? <laughs> yeah. No, there's no one like you, Nathan. <laughs> um, right. So okay, so one thing that I wanted to ask you about is uh, the the taco truck. Yeah. So that was the spot, right? Like more than, you know, more than just the band and uh, the crew and the bomb shelter and everything, like that's a part of, of your guys' thing is the taco truck, right? For sure. And yeah. uh, and where was, the, where was that truck at for everybody listening? That one, that one was on 40th and East 14th. It was like in a parking lot of uh, uh, some garage, but, but it was like parking lot and they were they were allowed to park there and you know slang their food and shit and that's um, the one that's the one that you guys shot all the photos in front of and the, yeah the, yeah the, the album and everything yeah it's it's defunct now but it's not yeah, around anymore that was yeah no, one of my next questions so okay no, so this is this is a super nerdy whatever thing but what is your what was your order when you would go there and then part two to that is what's your being from the bay and obviously we know what's up with burritos you know yeah. nobody does burritos like the bay area what nope. is your perfect burrito perfect burrito is uh, al pastor okay and what or was your burrito from the truck what was the what was your order that you'd always get there that's it that was it al pastor burrito yeah minus the onions but they never put onions on it I'm anyway, I'm vegetarian, so I'm whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, so Sammy, Sammy got a freaking veg, vegetarian burrito one there once. Yeah, it, it was just beans and rice. Right? And then you, and then you guys knocked it out of his hand and just laughed at him, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We were like, bro, they got they got whole beans. Like you don't have to get fucking refried beans. Because refried beans are always almost always lard. Yeah, for sure. And, and whole beans is like. Vegetarian that you can get, yeah. And, and I love those too. I love just whole bean burritos. That's it, man. What are your favorite? What are your favorite uh, spots? Like, just I mean, now that the truck's gone, like, what are your favorite spots in the Bay for Mexican food, or favorite taquerias or trucks in particular? Oh, the, well, for the truck, it's the one right by the studio in, uh, at the uh, Oakland Music Complex. It's on uh, it's on West Grand and Poplar. The one by Soundwave, you mean? Yeah, no, no, no. Well, kind of, I guess. Is it still uh, Soundwave? Yeah, yeah, it's still Soundwave. But we're at a we're at a Oakland Music Complex, which is oh okay, just across from Grand. Gotcha. Uh, so it's West Grand and Poplar, and then there's uh, the Tacos La Perla, the Pearl Tacos, and they make the best tacos, the best burritos, the best sopes. Sopes is a thick crust. Yeah, I know. I know it's up with sopes. They're good. Well, certain places do them different. Some places do them almost like, you know, those like little uh, strawberry shortcake cups that you get at the store. Sometimes they look like that. And sometimes it looks like a, like almost like a bowl. 
you know, yeah, like a, but it like curls around like a flat, like a flower before it blooms kind of, yeah. you yeah, know, it depends. The like they use different kind of tortillas, but sure. yeah, sometimes they're more cakey, but anyway, they're bomb. I love them. So, um, you were in the band, uh, you were in powerhouse up until about 2001 or two. And then, 2002, yeah. Okay, and then you you decided to uh, to take a break, or you were you left the band. Like, you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, because uh, uh, I wanted to become a family man. Okay. And, uh, so I got I, I got married in 2004, um, which is right before Ernie died. Yeah. Uh, in in uh, uh, in. September. So can I, can I ask you the, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask, was he ultimately, was he able to be in your wedding or? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, uh, you know, after he actually, told, after I asked him and, and he was like, fuck, okay, cool. I'll, I'll be in it. And then, uh, like two months later, he told me he was dying of cancer. I was like, what the fuck, bro? Oh, you gotta wow. tell me this shit before, bro. Yeah. Like, you gotta tell me this shit way before. You think like, he, I don't want to, he was trying to protect you from it, probably. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, bro, I'm fucking, we're we're grown men, man. Yeah, you know, we've been through shit, like. But he ended up being in my wedding, and he and he was, you know, his physique was different. He was feeling different. His his skin was different, like really weird. But I was grateful that he was able to even survive that long just to be in my fucking wedding, bro. And he didn't want to, you know, he had a fucking big scar in his gut from, from the, uh, uh, what do you call that? When they fucking, they just cut you open to just check and see if you're, if you're, um, like a biopsy. Yeah. Yeah. Like a biopsy. They check, take a little sample and shit, but they yeah. had to cut like his whole fucking stomach, man. And, and, you know, he wasn't the same. He wasn't the same, but I'm just glad he was there. Yeah. And uh, if if I had known, like I would, I would not put him through all that shit. You know, don't to fucking put on a suit for me, bro. Just fucking show up in a t-shirt. I don't give a fuck. You're my best friend. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He made it. He made it through. And you know, like three months later, he passed. And uh, I'll be forever grateful for him, just to fucking be strong enough to to be a part of that for just for me yeah Yeah. just to call him a friend yeah yeah and i got you know plenty of pictures with him and uh i'm glad i did you know before because i didn't give very many pictures of him after you know he was already fucking in hospice and all that shit in like a month a month after so i was like man that's it's crazy crazy yeah well, rest in peace. Yeah, for sure. Rest in peace, sir. Spirit um, for you. Obviously, that was something that really, I mean, it was a tragic thing, you know, obviously just within, you know, within the scene and, and uh, it affected so many people. But I think also it was very unifying, you know? Yeah. And, and it was sure. something that, um, I mean, there's... 
I, I think we all know that there's people that probably don't care for each other, but that they care about Ernie, you know what I'm saying? So it's like a lot of, you know, it was just a very unifying thing, you know, like, and just the show of support and respect uh, in, in a horrible and tragic and sad situation. But I mean, yeah, the, the, the legacy, like, um, I mean, just, I don't know, like, the, just the way the way his legacy still lives on all these years later. You know what I mean? It's like, I remember, uh, like, it seemed like as soon as he passed, like, the, there was the stickers and the shirts and everything, Ernie Cortez forever, and it's still Ernie Cortez forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you guys, um, whether or not the band, uh, whether or not the band, you know, did the little hiatus or whatever you want to call it, sabbatical, whatever you want to refer to it as. I mean, obviously you guys are back and um, I don't know. It's a, And it's another thing that it just brings everybody together again because it's going to be, you know, like nobody comes out of the woodwork like for powerhouse shows. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like when, I, when you guys play, it's like, God damn, I haven't seen this guy for 10 years. I haven't seen that guy for 10 years, you know? And it's just like you guys bring him out, you know? Yeah, bro. It's just... It's all about friendships, man. It's all about friendships. So even after the band, um, well, you were saying that you would you had left the band when you were kind of pursuing the family life. You played right. the final shows with Powerhouse. Yeah, I did. It, it, I did. I did uh, that I Pound Show and that Gilman Show. I didn't do the pound show, no. Oh, that you was, didn't? Uh, that was Abe. That was Abe. That was Abe and uh, and Blake. At the time, it was Blake. Yeah. You mean? Yeah, but I was there. Bla Blaine was from Two Forty. You mean? Blaine, that's him. Yeah. Yeah, Blaine. yeah, yeah, yeah. Critchfield. Yeah, yeah. He was. Um, he joined like two thousand two ish, but he played the last shows too. Yeah, he played the last shows. I, I just I went there and I remember I was like, God, it's so weird. Yeah. So weird not being able to play the shows, man. But that's that's wild because I was there, but for some reason I thought you played them for some reason. I don't remember. Nah, I I remember I remember being there. I, I don't I didn't play them because I can remember I, around the same time. Like, uh, oh, go ahead. Yep, that was like April, April two thousand four, right? Yeah, I I want to say May two thousand four. Um, yeah, April May. Pretty sure, but yeah, like um, like I remember around the same time. I was in Allegiance. I feel like that's when Blaine got in Powerhouse. And I remember going to see, there was like a secret hate breed show. And it was like the last No Innocent Victim show in Terror and Powerhouse. And it was wow. Abe. It was Abe and Blaine and not you. And it was like, yeah. I mean, no disrespect to those guys, you know, and I know Abe's been riding with you guys for a minute and he's still in the band, but, you know, it was just, it was just weird to see Powerhouse and not, see you you know what exactly. i mean like i don't know it's like so i don't know like um you but at no point where you did you stop playing music because obviously you did uh you know you did troublemaker you know you did massacre time like yeah you want to talk yeah. about those bands for a minute yeah bro it was like uh after the family thing i had my son and i think it was like 2008 then it was like uh, Gabe was like, "Oh, we need a we need a, we need a guitar player to do to do resist control. You want to do it?" And I was like, 
yeah, I'll play a couple shows with you guys, whatever. Send me the tracks, I'll learn them. And fucking, I learned them. And it was, at the time, it was me and Dan on guitar, mm-hmm. uh, Felipe on bass, Gabe on drums. Yeah. And uh, that's half my old band right there. <laughs> yeah, Boy, yeah b- both Dan and Felipe were in Born to Expire with me yeah, before and that. Drew, Drew wasn't singing. Drew wasn't singing because he was, you know, doing his thing. Yeah, and uh, we got uh, Mikey Roughneck. Yeah, Roughneck. He was singing, and I think we did a couple of shows as as Resist Control, and then we're like, Nah, you know what? Fuck this shit. We got to write our own shit. Like, yeah, Mikey was really, really was into like, yeah, let's write our own shit. So was Dan. Dan. Dan was like, I'm gonna write, let's write, fucking write our own shit. Yeah, that dude cranked songs out like fucking nothing, too. Bro, he wrote, he wrote the majority of that Massacre Time like, shit, bro. He brings his new song every practice. Shout out Dan Harlock. But for Dan for real, Dan. I miss that dude, man. Yeah, he's in, a, he's in Atlanta. He just had, yeah. he's got a couple yeah. kids now, so he's married. I, I, I always say hey, hey to him once in a while on Facebook, and you know he's doing his thing, man, which is good. Good yeah. for him, man. Good guitar player, good dude. But I do miss him, man. We used to write some. He used to write a bunch of songs, man. Oh, he's got riffs for days. He's got yeah, riffs he for days. Yeah, he come out and crush it, bro. I think crush. out of all, out of all the guitar players I ever jammed with, he was the one who just he had songs like like on lock, like boom, boom, for, boom. Like, for sure. Like anytime for you sure. jam, you just we got a new song, you know, like nothing. <laughs> You know? Yeah, I would show up. Gabe a, he's a machine. Back. You know, Gabe said the same thing to me too. Actually, we talked about it one time. He's like, "Oh man, I miss Dan so much." Dan <laughs> writes fucking music left and right, bro. But you know, we did after the resist control thing. We did the massacre time thing, and that was 2008 to like 2011, 2012. And then I joined. Uh, I think we. For whatever reason, we just we just disbanded, and then um, uh, then I joined like Guantanamo Doc, Mike Psychologic was Psychologo Mike, Repress Logic, uh-huh. uh, yeah, and then we did a bunch. It was just a bunch of covers, and we dressed up in fucking fatigues and face ski masks and shit like that, which was fun, fun. <laughs> I did that for like a couple of years. And then I transitioned into uh, Troublemaker. Uh, I, I had seen Troublemaker like play a bunch of shows, and I was like, "Fuck, you guys are fucking amazing, bro!" Like, let me know if you guys need a guitar player. You know, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it was like eight months later, and like, "Oh, we need a guitar player. You want to jam?" Like, yeah, give me all those tracks. I'll fucking learn them. Uh, I, sh- I showed up to uh, the rehearsal, and I was like, "I know." I know all these songs. It was like 22, 25 songs. God damn. They were, like, what? they were like, what? They were like, I know all those songs. Let's play them. He's like, well, we haven't done those songs in years. And like, well, we're going to do them again because those are fucking great songs. <laughs> and, and they were like, okay. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I'm ready to fucking fuck shit up. And we did. We did, you know, we we did a lot of the stuff of uh, Fist Impression and uh, some of the new stuff they wrote for Made in Oakland, and uh, I jumped in and I was like, "Let's just fucking write some more new shit," you know. Release a record, man. We did. We did like twenty-two songs or some shit. Wow. Yeah, Made in Oakland. We recorded it in a weekend, man. It was like fucking goddamn. It was a fucking 
just fucking onslaught. You know, it, it was fun. It was good times with them. I, I, I was with them for five, six years, man. I was, played a lot of shows. And Are they still active? <laughs> I mean, obviously uh, not right now, but you know. No, uh, we gave up in like, uh, like 2017. Oh, okay. uh, Garrett, Garrett was like, uh, you know, I'm a grandfather now. I gotta hang out. I gotta hang out with my grandkids. I'm like, all right, yo man, yo bastard. <laughs> Fine. And he was the voice of the fucking band. So we're like, fuck it. And that we was skip, a- man. That was around the time that you guys started talking about bringing Powerhouse back too, right? Exactly, exactly. Chris was like, yo, if you ain't doing shit, let's fucking do this. And, um, you know, Walter was in, in Chris's ear saying, we got to get the band back together. Got to get the band back together. Just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If you can get Ernie on stage, I'll play. <laughs> and that was never going to happen. So yeah. finally he was like, you know what? Fuck this, man. What am I doing, man? Like, we got to carry on the tradition for Ernie, man, and Ernie's name. And uh, he he called me up. He's like, "You down to do this?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm down to do this. Fuck it, let's do it." And then uh, he, he called Walter, and Walter's like, "Uh, oh, sorry, man, I can't do it." <laughs> so he was like, "He was like, after in his ear, being in his ear forever." How come? Like, how come he couldn't do it? Because he was doing like uh, he was doing uh, other bands, and then he had family issues like gotcha. his mom was sick or something like that his mom was sick and all like that and so he was taking care of her and uh, you know finally i i would say almost a year and a half ago he was like i'm moving back bro i was like were you sure what about your family bro you gotta take care of pop you know moms no i'm good mom's just fine she says i'm fine with it and i'm moving back and we're like fucking come rip bro Come He's rip. such a fucking back, amazing bro. drummer. Come home, bro. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really hyped to see you guys. Uh, I mean, I've said it like 37,000 times this interview, but <laughs> obviously I'm a huge Powerhouse fan for whoever's listening. But yeah, I mean, Walter is like the dude. You know, obviously I grew up seeing you guys play with Jay, you know? Yeah. And it so was good. kind of an adjustment to like see, you know, see you guys not with Jay. Cause Jay's just, yeah. he just had a, such a distinct style, but right in there, like if you guys, if it's not you and Jay, it's you and Walter. And to me, that's like, that's, he's your guy, you know what I mean? And it's like, of course you guys have played with some other great drummers too. Forgive me. I don't remember the dude's name after him, but he was a great, great drummer too. Um, but yeah, Walter yep. is just like, he's been in so many bands and I mean, a lot of bands I'm a big fan of, you know, but yeah, amazing sure. drummer and just great to sure. see him back yeah, in I the mean, mix. I mean, yeah, he wrote all, you know, he was with us through the What Lies Ahead stuff. and uh, Yeah. And, uh, and you know, he moved back east. And, and he's on the bonus tracks for Pandemonium too, right? Yeah, he is. The reissue tracks. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, he decided to come back and we're like, let's fucking do this, man. And Chris was like, yo, you can stay in my place. You know, for as long as you need to, to, you know, till you get on back on your feet and fucking whatever you want to do after that, I don't care. Let's just fucking start jamming, man. Sure enough, you know, they were, they were roommates for a minute and they wrote a bunch of songs and uh, I had already had a couple of songs, um, you know, before they even started jamming. So, 
uh, we were jamming with this kid Max for a little bit and wrote a couple of tracks. <clears throat> and then the pandemic hit and we're like, fuck, we're fucked, you know? We couldn't do shit, man. We couldn't even practice, really. Yeah. But Walter came back and pandemic was still happening. We were wearing masks and jamming and uh, fuck, we have like eight tracks right now, bro. Eight new songs? Yeah, some heavy hitters, bro. I'm like, whoa, this is some some shit, you know? And And, uh, and I'm not spilling the beans, right? But you guys recorded some stuff too recently yeah right? we recorded that stuff but then they got lost in the in the hard drive crash oh bummer yeah we're gonna we're gonna re-record that stuff in november and okay yeah and so uh you know chris was talking about putting out an ep or going in there in november with uh four more tracks at least and we could do at least a, you know do a full length 12 tracks 12 tracks is a lot of tracks for a hardcore record you know yeah yeah oh uh, well, that would be amazing. Yeah, for sure, man. Do you guys have an idea of who you would record those with, or uh, a label or anything with, in mind? It's or? Be no label yet. I think it's uh, it's East Bay Recorders, which is Michael Rosen, who did. Yeah, yeah, he oh, did What Lies Ahead, and um, he did What Lies Ahead. He did No Regrets, and he's got a spot right. Oh, there he did No Regrets. Yeah, he did. I no didn't regrets. know that. Yeah. Um, I and he also did uh, Hood's Time the Destroyer. Did he? Yep. Oh wow. Yep. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah, because I don't know why I remember it, but uh, most of the hood stuff was recorded in Sac at Plus Cavern, but yeah, yeah. they did that yeah. one with him. So wow. that's why it that's stands cool. out to me. So yeah. yeah, he gets around, man. And you know, Lars is Lars is always like uh, willing to free up time and like, yo, I want to, I want to put, you know, my two cents in that shit. Yeah. So when you guys do record, I want to, I want to be involved and. Like, you know, I know you're busy, you got your own stuff, and you got bands, and you got family. He's like, I'll make time. Don't trip. So it's always good. You know, he's always he's always good to have uh, mentor us, man. He's, he's, he's an amazing dude. That's yeah, amazing stuff. That's awesome. I mean, is it a trip to be working, you know, with a guy who... I mean, you know, his bands, whatever, like we all listen to Rancid, they're a local band, but I mean, yeah, like they were on MTV, they've been on the cover of Rolling Stone and like whatever else. And it's like this dude's in the studio with you, like helping you out and like, you know, putting his, you know, giving you his two cents, but he's also your homie, you know, like, is that a trip? Is that surreal? No, because we've been friends for so long, man. It's like, you just don't even think about it. Yeah, he's just like, yo, I'm, I'm gonna fucking. You guys can't do this shit without me. All right? <laughs> like, if you okay, say so. <laughs> I mean, we're not. I mean, we're not gonna fuck it. You know, it's like it's not to our disadvantage. It's like this is an advantage. Like he's giving us, you know. <clears throat> and he's a friend, so it's like we can't just be like, fuck you, you know. Yeah. No, you can't do this. And he's like, no, no, we want you to do this. Like, fuck it. Yeah. Bro, mentor us like that's what he does. You know, he's been involved in so many bands and the bands that he loves. He's just like, I want to, I want to participate. I want to contribute. I want to help you guys out as much as I can. And and there's no, there's nothing that he wants back from it. He's just like, 
bro, I love the shit. I love you guys. I love these bands. I'm doing it for them. He's know. just a fan of music and he just wants to help his friends. Yeah, he, he's not in there for, you know, publicity or money or anything like that. He's just doing it because that's, that's what he loves. He likes making bands better. Like, And if he can do it, he would do it for the bands that he loves. Bay Area bands. Is, and, you know, it's not it's not East, East Bay bands, not West Bay bands. It's everybody in the Bay Area. He'll fucking contribute and help without without any hesitation yeah that's rad solid solid individual man that guy and you know we're, we're just a small hardcore band from Oakland bro and he's like oh yo I want to produce your record like, what fuck it why yeah do it bro sure enough he's, he's, he's been involved in every situation bro every, every fucking recording we've done really yeah yeah that's wild and a lot he was involved with redemption a lot too and pressure point and i mean quite a few bands from our from our scene yeah yeah i mean they were uh pressure point was i think at uh was it art of ears i think they were at art of ears yeah a lot lot of bands used to record at art of ears back when that was kind of like the go-to studio i always thought that you guys did no regrets there no, no, we did that uh, somewhere in Oakland. I can't remember. Anyway, it's a Michael Rosen, Lars Fredersen connection. You know, it's like they were involved in all that stuff. And I, I remember, I remember Pressure Point recording that record, um, and we were in there like just listening and singing backgrounds and shit like that, and amazing shit. Yeah, that's rad. So we already uh, we already kind of touched on the the I don't want to call them reunion shows that sounds fucking lame, but the upcoming shows. What do you, what do you think reunion shows is that appropriate? I mean, it's kind of the business as usual shows. Like I don't know, like I don't know how to say. We it. just we we took a break. Yeah, I mean reunion we just I I don't like that word. Like I don't want to put it, you guys it, in that category. We're 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 just we're back. We want to play. Man. It's like play with it's like all is like natural order has been restored, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, yeah. I don't want to call it a reunion. It's just like no, no, no. <laughs> this is like this is what was supposed to happen. Like the stars have aligned. Like, yeah. I I, I really wish I really wish like uh, you know we're playing with some great bands: Tsunami, Scowl, fucking Gulch, and I and I really wish like. Uh, the friends we had back then in the nineties, like second coming and redemption. I really wish I could do some shows with us, man, because it would, it would be like a coming to full circle thing. For, for sure. Like the old you generation know, and like, the next generation. And like, we're friends. We started this shit. Like we, we didn't start it, but we fucking pushed it forward. We pushed that envelope forward. You know, so, oh, I mean, as far as the Bay is concerned, you guys, you know, you bands, powerhouse second coming redemption you know a little bit later rely and then also hoods you know what i mean you guys were the ones that were really putting on for the bay in northern california in those years and i mean without without those bands like everything that came since and you know guys like me and whatever bands i played in and whoever else you know we wouldn't exist you know so eternal respect and appreciation to all of you guys but 
what what's your thoughts on the current state of the bass scene and this younger generation of bands and um i mean it seems like things now are kind of more centered around the south bay you know yeah san jose is fucking killing it bro yeah they're killing that shit bro and i and i you know in the 90s they were non-existent yeah when now, when, like, when i was coming now, up like, the san jose had no scene i mean they always had a punk rock scene but yeah, yeah, they didn't yeah. really have a hardcore scene no no but like they're, they're fucking blowing up bro like there's so many bands like just fucking good too yeah now san jose yeah. is like the spot in the bay pretty much so yeah and and it, and it's it's not to diminish you know what the hard work they put through but they have it a lot easier like they have all the social media they have they have the exposure they have spotify like all this yeah shit. i mean it's just a different era you can't even compare yeah, what yeah. it's like you guys were coming yeah. up in the dark ages and then my generation you know i was i was younger than you guys but um, it was no. still, you know, it was still difficult pre-internet, pre-MySpace and all this other shit. And yeah. now now yeah. these bands yeah. could just literally, like, their friends could record their demo on their laptop. And then they could yeah. put it up on Spotify, like, the same day and have, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, a and million followers that. on Instagram. That's, which, a, that's a huge advantage for them because, you know, they can have their music out there already before they even play a show. Yeah. And they, the crowd is just like, yeah. Which is and dope, but that. you know, bands are also bypa- bypassing a lot of steps too. You know, so I mean, there's there's pros and cons. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, of course, of course. But, but definitely some great bands out the bay right I now, just, for sure. I just love the fact that you know that they're they're able to put their shit up and for everybody to hear it before they even play a show. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and just then, to get that they, that first show when, that reaction, you know? Yeah, when they play that show, they're like, bam, you know, and it's like, and it's you know, I, I give them praise, man. I just fucking like, that's the shit you want. You know, you yeah. want these motherfuckers to come out and fucking just enjoy your show, bro. And they already know what the fuck you're going to do. You know, that's the one thing about being a band now is you don't really have to have those awkward shows or those in between shows where nobody knows you. I mean, maybe <laughs> I'm sure you're going to have, I'm sure people won't know you, but it's like, like, yeah, yeah. like, I mean, they kind of, they can at least check you out. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like, I don't know. They have the option, so yeah. I don't I, know. I give, I give, I give San Jose. But part of that is part of paying dues too. So I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's pros and cons. You could argue either way. So I'm not of hating. Course, I'm not course. saying it's wrong. I'm no, not saying no. it's right. But it's I just different, you know. No matter what. Yeah, I love that shit. No matter what. It's like, yo, I'm, I'm happy you guys are getting exposure. Bam, let's do it. Fucking come up, play, rip it up. So who are your, but, some, yeah. who are your some of your favorite up and coming? bands in the bay right now or your uh the younger generation of bands that you're you're feeling uh you know there's there's like these streets they're really fucking good you lose from san leandro god damn they're fucking good um like is there any bands that you just really want like if powerhouse has some shows coming up you want to throw them on the shows too like if you if you could if you could pick the show right now like pick a couple reunions and pick a couple young bands like who who are you putting on the show (laughs) <laughs> you mean like what we're doing in November? Well, no, <laughs> no. I'm saying the Eddie, the, the Eddie fantasy lineup right now. Like if I just oh, yeah, like yeah. whatever. 
not what's happening in November. But nah, I would definitely nah. have I would definitely have like these streets and I know like Lose None from San Andreas uh been playing some shows. Yeah, they were around a while ago. I think they formed like two thousand four or five, I uh, think. I'm a big fan of Scowl. They're 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 amazing. Um uh, from Santa Cruz and <laughs> obviously <laughs> Gulch and Tsunami. Yeah, I mean we got them with the shows and uh, me and Chris were like, who should we get? I was like, you should try these guys out. Tsunami, uh, Scowl. And I was like, because I, you know, we seen them at the, um, that Dead City Punks thing yeah. under the freeway, bro. Yeah. And, and I was like, I was super impressed. I was like, oh, this is fucking insane, bro. Like, these guys are, they're good. Like, let's get them play a show in the fucking, you know, in the little club. But yeah, these streets for sure. Lose none, you lose. Uh, San Jose bands, and I, I'm really proud of I'm really proud of San Jose, and a lot of the Central Valley bands are coming up too. Uh, Solano County, like the Cutthroats, and you know they're coming up and ripping shit up, man. It's like a big wave of all of a sudden, bam! You know, not that they haven't put their hard work in it, exposing themselves, but you know. The fact that they're out there right now, it's like they can be recognized. Definitely. I mean, uh, the future I mean, yeah, the they, future is there. As I always say, like hardcore is like, yeah, it's a full yeah. contact sport and it's a young man sport, you know? I'm, so it's it's rad to see the OGs up there doing their thing. But I I always think too, you know, you got you to gotta feed that younger generation and you know, yep. just to just to keep them coming up, and eventually, those are going to be the bands that some other kid is going to be looking up to, saying that was my first right. show. You know what right. I'm saying? So it's like, right. it's uh, it never stops and it never ends. Like hardcore is like the fountain of youth. You know, I so hundred percent, hundred percent. As far as uh, let's see, no regrets. That's going to be coming on. Uh, that's going to be coming on vinyl for the first time ever, right? First time ever. How do you feel about that? You're pretty hyped, right? Bro, I've been trying to get that shit done for. It's been almost 25 20, years. 25 years, man. I yeah. wanted that on vinyl before it came out on CD. It's kind of I, it's I, kind of crazy because I mean, like, I feel like the '90s, like, vinyl wasn't being produced. You know, well, obviously not every label had the means to, you know, produce everything on every format and it wasn't like cost effective. And I mean, I think that that was kind of that era of like CDs where, I mean, it wasn't a new thing, but they started putting out all those discographies and like, let's, let's put 35 songs on one CD. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of thing, like see as much as we can fit onto one piece of plastic, you know what I'm saying? But I feel like vinyl just kind of got lost in the shuffle for a few years there, you know? And now it's kind of like, it's cool again, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, it's... Yeah, I've, wanted, I've wanted it... Every time we put something out, I'm like, let's get it on vinyl. Let's get it on vinyl. And it's not always, you know, a realistic thing, cost-wise. Oh, it's super expensive now. I mean, yeah. they sell LPs for like 25 bucks. It's crazy. But... I've always wanted, I've always wanted to, everything I put out, worked on, let's put it on vinyl, like, you know, Massacre Time, we did a CD, Troublemaker, we did a CD, and I was like, well, vinyl, but it's, 
you know, it's all that. No regrets. Artwork is going to look sick, like full size, like Joey's cover art, you know, like it's going to look amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Those those should be ready by, I'm going to say October. Oh, really? You think you'll have some for the show? Yeah, we'll have some for the show. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be awesome. uh, Hopefully. Okay, think I'm keeping my fingers crossed. So, <laughs> knock on wood for that one. Yeah. <laughs> and um, like, as far as uh, what lies ahead, is anything going on with that? We're we're trying to get a hold of AJ, which is the uh, Resurrection AD owner guy, and uh, it, it's impossible to get a hold of him right now. Nobody can seem to get a hold of him. Chris has tried. Uh, I think I've tried, but uh we're, we're we're trying to slap that shit on spotify or something yeah that would be amazing uh at, at some point but it's in the works we're just trying to get a hold of aj so he can uh a sign off on it or approve it or uh just give up the rights for it you know yeah yeah uh, well we'll see as soon as we get a hold of him if we if we don't then you know i think i think we can move forward and do it ourselves. Yeah. Well, there's got to be some sort of statute of limitations on that, right? I mean, yeah, you guys yeah. wrote the song, so. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But, uh, so, yeah, you guys, man, that's it sounds like a pretty stacked, like, winner. Like, you've got the shows, you've got the reissue uh, on vinyl for No Regrets, you got the possibility of the streaming stuff, and then you're talking about doing the new stuff. So, any way you cut it, we're going to be here in Powerhouse, like, pretty shortly yeah bro we're, yeah, we're, we're gonna we're working on t-shirts and stuff and stuff surprises for the show for the upcoming show uh can't really go into details now because it will ruin everything yeah yeah we'll keep it hush <laughs> and we don't want to do that yeah <laughs> is there anything um Outside of the band, or just anything else that you wanna you wanna touch on, or any news, or like updates, or anything that you uh, that you want to share, or like plug or hype or anything like that. Uh, other than I'm just bummed that Gulch is calling it quits. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that for a second? I mean that that's kind of like I mean they're a band that to me that's like the next generation of the Bay, you know. Or like, yeah, obviously man. they'd been at it for a couple few years already. And like, just, yeah, you know, I'm not going to front. Like I knew about them the day they came out, you know, I'm an older dude, like whatever. I, I, I discover new bands all the time, but I've been up on Gulch for a couple of years by now, yeah, you know, but I, same. I didn't expect them to call it quits this soon. I thought that they maybe yeah. had at least another year or two in them, you know, yeah, that's- it seems like with all the, um, you know, like you said, those dead city punk shows and everything uh-huh. else, like, Obviously, Tsunami's been getting a lot of shine. It seems like San Jose's really bubbling and blowing up. Drain, They're doing it, man. Drain is They're on... Uh, I mean, I guess Drain's a Santa Cruz band, technically, but I'm pretty sure they got signed to Epitaph. Like, um, yeah, yeah. Like, just that whole that whole scene is just blowing up so hard. So it just kind of like... When I heard that they were... When they were breaking up, I was like, man, that's a bummer. I wonder why, you know? More... I mean, I can only give them props, man, because they were doing everything and they're doing everything the right way you know yeah well i'll say straight up like like when we were saying before you know 
San Jose had no hardcore scene as recently nice. as yeah, 15 years ago, I'd say is kind of when it kind of started to bubble and come up. Like the cave was the first spot that I can remember seeing hardcore shows at, I'd say around 2005, six in San Jose, you know, prior yeah. to that, I can't recall anything. And even still, a lot of those shows weren't really like there was hardcore bands on them, but a lot of the bands were like kind of more metalcore bands and like peripheral bands, like not really traditional hardcore bands, you know, but um, whatever. I'm not talking shit, but I'm just saying the San Jose scene is very, very young. And in, yeah. in a short amount of time, they managed to build one of the, I'm not going to say one of the better scenes in the country, but they're definitely coming out with bands that the whole country is looking at like, holy shit. Something that what's in the water in San Jose. Oh, you know course. what I mean? Like, so props to them for doing their thing down there. It's, even, it's even though hardcore. I'm only recently acknowledging it as, as Bay area. <laughs> yeah, hardcore hotspot right now. It's a hardcore hotspot and I give them much, nothing but props. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing I mean, like for a long, and I can't wait to fucking play with them. Yeah. For a long time, it was just kind of this quiet little, I mean, there wasn't much going down, going on down there show wise, you know? Like there might be a random little show in Campbell or wherever, you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't really like a scene, you know, and now it's like every band I hear about is fucking coming out of San Jose and they're all hard, hard as nails. So sure. props to them. Hell yeah. But uh, yeah, man, I think we're winding it down here. Is there anything um anything else you wanna you wanna talk about or plug or any shout outs or anything like that? Shout out to all, fuck, everybody that's putting in work, man. Putting in work so they could, uh, you know, jump on the stage and, I don't know, show their feathers or whatever you call it. Just do their thing. Doing their thing, man. Uh, It it takes a lot. You know, it's not not like you could just uh, jump up there and play a fucking set and and call it good, you know? Yeah. Uh, props to them all, man. I mean, you, you've been, you've been doing bands for what? I mean, 30, what if we did the math that you said it was like 33 years or something like that. Yeah. You've been playing a band. So three years, bro. 33 yeah. years. You definitely put yeah. some miles on. And I mean, like, yeah, props and respect to you for getting upstairs and showing your feathers, man. <laughs> for sure, bro. So, uh, yeah, seriously, man, I got to say from the bottom of my heart, like I grew up on Powerhouse since I was 15 years old. I've been loving and listening to Powerhouse. Man, I should have told this story, but when I was uh, when I was 15 years old, I went to school. There's this random skinhead, skinhead kid in my school, right? His name was Armand. Yeah. He was this Persian kid. And uh, he used to wear these Oxblood docks to school every day. And I was like, yo, man, make me a tape with some oi bands. And I was like, uh, "Like, give me a tape, put, put some pressure point on there, put some one-man army and some working stiffs. And he's like, all right, for sure, I got you. you know. And then I'm waiting, and like weeks are going by. And I'm like, what the fuck? Where's my fucking tape? This dude stops dressing like a skinhead, and he starts coming to school wearing like Adidas pants and hoodies and shit. And I'm like, this guy's not even a fucking skid in it anymore, you know? Not really realizing that the hoodies he's wearing are sick of it all and Madball and whoever else. I ask him, I'm like, what's up with my tape, dude? Like, he's like, all right, my bad. I forgot. I'll bring it to you tomorrow. 
The next day, he brings me a tape. He hands me this tape. There's a ton of names on this list, and a couple of them I've heard of, but I never really like heard heard. Okay, one of them was you guys. Okay, the tape that he gave me was the Ten Years Later comp. Oh wow! And then I fucking uh, or it was a dub of the Ten Years Later comp. I went home and I put that shit on. The first song on that shit was no uh, was nothing sacred. And that shit fucked me up, dude. And that was yeah. that was twenty four years ago. And here we are. Wow. Here we are doing this interview. So that's a, that's a instant classic. That song, man. Dude, that's still to this day one of my favorites. You know, one not and not just of you guys, but of hardcore. You know, like that album, No Regrets. I mean, I love all you guys' shit. I love Pandemonium. I love What Lies Ahead. Whoever's listening is going to fucking sit, like I'm sitting here nerding out talking to you about the shit, like fanboy shit. But <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've listened to that album. Like it's seriously, that shit was the soundtrack to my youth. Thank you for writing those songs. Thank you for playing those shows and giving me those memories. Cause man, I had so much fun at powerhouse shows for the last 20, you know, four or five, whatever years, whatever I said it was. And I can't wait to see you guys again in November, you know? So Thank yeah, you for bro. setting aside the time to do the interview and just thank you for all over. of it, man. Yeah, man. Of course. Anytime, bro. It's, it's, it's great. To, it's great to hear, you know, not just, not just you, but, uh, uh, other kids are like, bro, like, you know, your music's like saved my life. And I'm like, huh, what? We're just fucking partying, you know, playing. But and whatever, if it, I'm glad, you know, I, I mean, for real, me and it, all, it's, I'm it's, speaking it's for me, but I'm speaking all for all my friends, all the dudes my age, we all came up, you know, being, if you're from the Bay and you're my age or younger, you know, if you're going to shows between, you know, 95 and 2004, you're going to see Powerhouse. And yeah. if you weren't, you weren't a fucking hardcore kid and you're full of shit and you weren't a part of our scene. <laughs> so right. yeah i mean just ultimate respect and appreciation so thank you so much for setting aside the time man and coming on Yo, and talking anytime. to me thank and you man thank such you a for... pleasure like would would you be down i mean i know we just did like three hours plus but would you hypothetically be down to come back and uh maybe do some patreon shit tell some tell some wild stories and whatever else anytime bro anytime hell yeah man so thank you so much and uh we're gonna say we're gonna say later to eddie but Appreciate you, man, and uh, we'll right definitely we'll definitely be talking soon. So thanks for coming on, and uh, I hope you, you have a good night, man. Yeah, thank you. You too, bro. All right, much love, man. November sixth, November seventh. Okay, oh. yo, let's plug that. Okay, so real quick, the technically they're sold out, but yep. for whoever's listening, November sixth at the Parkside in San Francisco, we got Powerhouse. We have this is the first night, right? It's Powerhouse, Tsunami, and Scowl, right? Right, right. That's the Saturday. And then night two on the Sunday, we got Powerhouse, Gulch, and Count Time. Correct? Sure. Do I got that yep. right? So technically, they're both sold out. I don't imagine they're going to be releasing more tickets. Nope. But in, no the, in the event that they do or somebody sees some shit on StubHub or whatever the fuck, <laughs> don't don't sleep because they're both gonna be bangers. <laughs> don't sleep. Don't sleep on it. You see that shit on stuff on Craigslist? Get that shit. Yeah, if you gotta pay thirty seven thousand and whatever else, like <laughs> don't sleep. 
Whatever. I mean, SF, F, SF StubHub prices. You've seen Giants tickets. You know what it is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Hardcore ticket exchange. Right. Right. Oh, hey, well, I mean, between you guys and Gulch, that's got to have some resale value right there. I mean, shit. <laughs> right. I almost bought like extra tickets, but I was like, whatever. You should have just bought half of them yourself and just resold them. <laughs> that's the hustle of all hustles. <laughs> Chris might have gotten mad at you, though. <laughs> well, what are you doing? Uh, nothing. <laughs> Anyways, That's all good, nice. Nathan. I appreciate it, bro. Thank all right, so right on, man. Have a good night. I'll talk to you later. You too. You too, man. All right, so that was Eddie Medina. I want to say thanks again to Eddie for coming on and setting aside the time to talk. It was so rad to be able to do this episode. This one meant so much to me. As I said before, um, <laughs> as you've heard on every single episode that we've done, I am a huge, huge, huge fan of Powerhouse. I grew up listening to them and seeing them at shows since I was 15 years old. Such great memories. Their shows were so fun, so scary, so violent, just so amazing. Massively influential, formative, amazing memories for me and my friends. So thanks to Eddie, and thank you to Powerhouse for all the good times. Thanks to everybody else for listening. I hope everybody enjoyed the episode. We'll be back next week with another one. Thanks for following on Instagram, at Neanderthal Society. Stay tuned for the website, neanderthal-society.com. The Depop is up. There will be stuff in the store any day now. And the Patreon's on the way, so we're going to be having lots of rad shit over there. So... Stay tuned for that. If you want to support what we're doing, please go check that out. That'll be on the way any day now. There's lots, 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 lots more cool shit that I want to share. But every week I do this. Every week I say, <laughs> there's more cool shit on the way, but I never tell you. And I'm not going to this week either. So sorry, guys. I'm just going to leave you hanging. So trust me that <laughs> there's cool shit coming up. I won't let you down. I promise. Um. So thanks again for listening. Much love to everybody. Hardcore lives. Peace out.